I'll see you soon. It's been a few hours and that monster's voice is still ringing in my ears. The low, dulcet tones bouncing around in my skull like a pinball, each synapse bringing with it a new electrical shock through my veins. I didn't know what he was, but everything about him was wrong, and my own stubbornness was going to be the death of me. Typical Sully. Never could run away from a fight. I was lying against the bar, the lights dimmed down and the regulars asleep in their seats in the VIP lounge. Fortunate I didn't kick them out. Cheddar was asleep by my side, curled up into a ball, and as always, chewing on his blanket, some of the drool soaking onto my apron, but I didn't mind. Honestly, without him here, I think I would have just packed in the whole career by now. I pulled a bottle from underneath the bar, thankfully within my reach. It was old, in a wooden coffin with chains around it, more ceremonial than intentional. A sigil scratched across the center and the teal fluid running down the sides, creating a beautiful glow that gave off more than just a morose beverage. The note scratched on the back read, Poe and Sons offer to you their sobering condolences for a time when your mind might be sharp but your body must rest. I opened the casket and grabbed the small locket inside. My eyes fell upon the photo from years gone by. I was smiling and far less bearded, my arm wrapped around the shoulders of my mentor and a smiling woman in the center. Even now, her smile filled me with such warmth. If only she were here. I took a long sip of the drink and felt her voice fade away as silence rang through my ears like ambrosia. My muscles began to relax as rest greeted my soul. The fuck am I gonna do, huh? I asked, my hand running over the fur on the top of his head as he breathed heavily. My guess is you're going to stare it in the face, bear a smile, and give them the service of a lifetime. I looked up to see an older woman standing in the arch of my doorway. She was tall, thin, and her black, gray dreadlocks gracefully hung down and rested across her shoulders, her outfit ever the same. A hunter's cloak with one too many clasps, a triple-bound book attached at the hip, and several voodoo charms adorning the belt buckle. Maybe it was because I hadn't seen her in so long, or maybe it was the bleakness of the situation, but she looked almost radiant standing there. Madam Lockhart, it's been far too long. I said, getting to my feet and feeling the ache in my side as I reached out a hand. She pushed it away and smiled. Sullivan, how many times must I remind you? It's Nell. None of this formality nonsense. I taught you better than that. She pulled me in for a hug, the audible wince in my voice easing her grip and bringing concern to her own. What have you gotten yourself into this time? She asked, without letting me go from the hug. A baby-eating madman? Might be otherworldly. It's a whole thing, and his followers want me for something. I thought it was death, but... I looked over at the empty bottle of Silver Tear Potion, still confused. She saved me before warning me. <sighs> Makes no damn sense. Nell let me go, and the look on her face told me she knew something I didn't. Her hazel eyes shimmering in the dim neon light of the bar sign. Sullivan, you've made your choice, and you will not make it out of this intact. So it's my job to best equip you for when that time comes. She put a hand on my face rubbing my cheek like an attendant mother, the warmness returning to her face the moment she touched me. You've grown so much. 
I'd hate to lose my favorite student. I smiled, feeling a degree of safety I realized I had not felt for some time. I told her about the past few days and the events leading up to that. Much like how I treat my regular patrons, she listened with next to no judgment and showed attentiveness throughout. She was, and still is, my hero. Some things never change, I guess. Madame Nell Lockwood was my mentor from an age long past. Someone who offered me a hand when nobody else would and listened without judgment. I guess her policies rubbed off on me. She ran an establishment a lifetime away from here that catered more to finding, preserving, and or eliminating cryptids. She still enjoyed a drink, though, and that was how I came to be in this place, running this bar. Cheddar! She squealed as she saw the groggy dog lifting his head and barking. Well, more boofing, given his size. At the sight of her, she held her hands open as the big lug ran into her full pelt and profusely licked all over her face, her laughter infecting me as much as the bar. She made me feel safe in a way very few did. I missed that. I turned the lights on and grabbed a change of clothes from the back room, the purple waistcoat now torn to shreds and the tie looking more frayed than before. Spying an old favorite in the back, I quickly put it on, feeling a dull ache in my side as I wrapped the navy tweed waistcoat around a white satin shirt. Putting my watch back in the waistcoat pocket and keeping the chain tight to the center. I fastened the silver buttons as carefully as I'd done on my first day here so long ago. Had it been ten years? Twenty? I couldn't remember anymore. I just knew that this was the place I had to be, and that I had a duty here. That was all that mattered. I took my silver tie, adorned with small bears patterned over it, and straightened my dirty blonde hair, slicking it to the side as I measured whether my undercut needed shaving or not. Appearances are everything, after all. Deciding it was fine, I slugged my apron on and went back into the main bar where Nell was sitting on the floor, trench coat hung on the side as she cuddled a very content cheddar, tail wagging and big droopy tongue slung out on the floor. You're gonna spoil him, you know. He'll start wanting constant attention. I teased as I looked at him and his elated face beamed back at me. She giggled, her scarred hand running up and down his belly. Well, maybe it's not such a bad thing. After all, he's only here for you, and to him, you're all he has. So attention is never unwanted or spurned. She sighed, still smiling, but reservedness weighing down her words. If only everyone was like that. But Cheddar has a purpose, as do you. He isn't just in the bar, he's a part of it. She looked up at me, eyes full of tiredness and stress lines littering her face. I just don't want to live in a world where he's left waiting for you at the door and you never come back, Sully. Well, I don't plan on giving in to whatever they are, but I gather you're not just here for time with Cheddar. What do you have for me? She rubbed Cheddar's face and kissed his head before getting to her feet, her arms and hands littered with battle scars from years studying the various creatures that exist. How she was still alive now is beyond me. She's like a mountain never ceasing regardless of the elements put in her way. Taking a seat at the bar, she pulls out her book, The Creature Compendium, and opens it up while staring at my back wall of drinks. I'll take the Evening Star, if you don't mind. She declared as her face bent back down into the book, scanning over her notes and mumbling to herself occasionally as she flipped through the pages frantically. 
It was worn and damaged, but it held every entry she or her colleagues had ever made of the creatures that lurk in the places we never see. I reached for the bottles in the center of the top shelf, the shape of an Aztec temple with black foundations running up either side and connecting to an altar filled with red steps. The cork fastened firmly into the sacrificial table. Grabbing it and setting it down in front of her, the label read, Emporium Brewery brings you the Shalot Whiskey, the beverage that gives as much as it takes. The red and black liquid shimmered in front of Nell as she motioned me to sit down opposite her, leaning over to grab a pair of the shot glasses I keep under the bar. She unscrewed the top of the drink and poured two shots. I grab a stool and stare at the drink in front of me. You know I don't drink if I can help it, Nell. Without meeting my gaze, Nell downs both in succession as a shiver runs down her back before she flips the book around and begins talking, the burn of the drink riding high in her throat and giving her silky voice extra gravitas. This master you've heard about, the one you saw in the vision, I'm sure it won't come as a surprise to you, but he's not from our reality. I can't be certain where he hails from, but I would wager it's a long way from here, and it's far less populated. Maybe through his own doing, or someone like him. She paused, coughing as the burn got the better of her. But he's old. Very, very old. Clearly, he's got an influence on the people here, and he's got an ability to corrupt those who follow him. I'd say through something on his person, like his blood, or... Or a concoction, I said, a chill running down my spine, the realization making me genuinely uncomfortable. It seemed Nell shared the sentiment. Or a concoction, yes. Maybe that's why this Halpin temperance person let you live and wasn't concerned with his other followers. He must need you for something. My guess is conversion. She walked back to her book and pulled it up. An image very similar to the creature I saw in the vision, but one without clothing and far less humanoid staring back at me. This, Sullivan, is what I call a dimensional devourer. He's not the first, but he seems to be the most influential. I've come across one before, and it was a lone wolf, but it talked about coming here and spreading its influence. It created other cryptids I've spent my life hunting and it feasted on humans to the degree where they didn't just die. They were all but erased from this dimension. And we have one that seems to know its target audience. Great, I replied, the shot of Sholot looking tempting all of a sudden. This one has some kind of group. You said you'd met two of them already? She asked, pen at the ready to take notes. Yeah, Venerator was some kind of tentacle fanatic. Dude had a fascination with growing closer to his god, and he's tanked to high heaven. A lingering, garbagey scent burning on a hot summer's day. I retched a little as I reminded myself. Nell looked unimpressed. The other was Detective Halpin, who called herself Temperance. She said she was just here to deliver a message, and after saving my life, did just that. Whoever heard of an honest bad guy? Or girl? These two others they mentioned, disquiet and reverence, they aren't going to just sit on their asses and wait for you, Sullivan. They're coming here. What are you going to do when that happens? Smile and offer them a drink, hoping they won't just kidnap you or steal your stock? 
Oh, that would be boring. Nell swung round and without hesitation threw her pen like a dagger in the direction of the voice. A small hooded figure near the back of the room maneuvered out of the way and stood on its head by the windowsill, its neck cracking as it supported the entirety of its body weight. That simply will not do. Not do at all. The voice was high-pitched, feminine, and carried an air of something unnatural about it. Identify yourself. I'd enjoy making a new addition to my compendium. Nell said, a sly grin running across her face as she kept her eyes fixed on the small creature. You may call me disquiet, a follower of the light inside, and that. She raised her hand, and a single digit cracked forwards, the joint straining as it continued to extend beyond its limitations to a spot behind the both of us. Is my colleague reverence? Without my say-so, Cheddar had instinctively gone onto his hind legs and was leaning towards a monolithic-like structure, cloaked and against the wall in the corner. At first, I thought it was a machine, but red eyes and a hateful stare broke through the darkness as a pair of veiny, muscled arms reached out and pulled Cheddar into a bear hug, his yelps ripping out my eardrums. Reveal what you fear. Flee from what you don't. I will ascend to greatness. You, on the other hand, won't it. The figure known as Reverence pulled on Cheddar tighter, his black drool burning Reverence's skin, but not ceasing the agony he was facing. Cheddar! Nell looked at me and nodded before switching her stance and rushing towards Reverence, pulling a serrated blade from her belt buckle and pulling it close to her face, breathing heavy. I can't help you with both, but do you trust me, Sully? She called back, not taking her eyes off the monstrosity in front of her. Does service come with a smile? I replied, not taking mine off the emaciated, broken form in front of me. Her stomach began to glow as she leaned down to hold onto it, and the red and black energy rushing through her veins and filling her entire being. I'll give you credit, Sully. You offer one hell of a drink! She cried, bellowing as a thick, black and red smoke emitted from her eyes, nose, and mouth, encompassing the area around Cheddar and Reverence, Nell crying out, The hunt begins, motherfuckers! <laughs> and laughing heartily before leaping towards them, a well of bright energy blasting through the bar and painting it in a red and blue hue for a moment before dissipating. A scarred floor, all that remained of the three of them, and a gaping hole in the wall where Reverence once stood. The sounds of crashing and banging filling the back rooms as I hear them brawling in the distance. I coughed and covered my mouth as I tried not to let my focus wane in front of what I instinctively knew was a dangerous being. Disquiet slumped forward, her back falling to the ground and contorting her frame as she reoriented her body to stand upright, the joints shaking and crunching as she twisted to assume the correct stance. Interesting. She was never mentioned to us before arriving here. We thought two would be appropriate. How very frustrating. Her voice was monotone in its expression, a trait I was quickly growing tired of. I twirled my mustache and took a few deep breaths, trusting Nell to do her part and focusing on my own. Welcome to the spaces between. I'm sure you know who I am by now. What can I get for you? I smiled, each word delivered with sincerity, but with a dagger of malice lying in wait behind it. I wanted nothing more than to throw her on her ass and kick her out, or worse, but approaching this cautiously was my best bet. The figure took several steps forward, legs crossing over each other in awkward ways before disappearing from my vision entirely. A moment later, she was sitting on the bar and pointing towards something on the shelf. I would like to sample this before we get started. Then kindly move your ass off the bar 
That's not sanitary, I replied coldly. This one was getting on my nerves. She cocked her head to the side as she observed me. You don't wish to know how I got here so quickly? She asked. If curiosity was in her voice, I couldn't hear it over the monotone drone. No, I wish you'd fuck off from the bar, but that isn't how things work around here. So take a seat, tell me your story, and I'll prepare your drink. If the story is good, you'll get your drink. I turned my back as I heard her shuffling to the seat, and I grabbed a pair of bottles from the top shelf. And as I may not be strong, Cheddar and Nell are. If they come back, when they come back, you'd better be finished with your drink and be heading back to Captain Tarantula to tell him he needs to go back to his dimension. We're full. The first bottle I slammed onto the table was in the shape of a human heart. Black, with ventricles and veins perfectly placed as it beat softly in place, letting the dark fluid rush around in its center and creating a slight stream as it bubbled from the top ventricle. The note read, The Society of the Sunless gives unto you, the Kingmaker. With consumption, he ascended to his endless throne. The second was a fractured handheld mirror, fragmented in multiple places but still perfectly held together, a yellow liquid running through it and creating a beautiful pattern as it pooled at the center. The label reading, Cane Brewery offers you divine intervention. Just one taste and the moment will change. These are old, very, very old. I began pulling the stool from across the bar and sitting down on it, hands folded in front of me. I don't know how you identified one of them. I don't know what you want, but your story starts now. One of these drinks will be your drink. Let's find out which it is. From the age of seven, my father instilled in me that I belonged to him. He would remind me of this every time I said hello to someone. Every animal I wanted to pet or every successful hunt I brought to him. He would stand over me, eyes ablaze with rage, and tell me that everything of my person was his. Her monotone voice began to give way for a moment as her head shook. I hated him. More than anything else in my life, it is he who made me what I am now. She pulled her hood down and my eyes widened. Her face was a battleground of pain. Her eyes burnt over, and nothing but vacant sockets, the ears gone, and the skin leathery where it had to accommodate, the mouth mostly intact save for a blackened, singed tongue. I started a fire on the morning of my thirteenth birthday, when his concept of ownership transferred to but one part of me. I decided this was the right time to part ways. I watched as his corporeal form melted away. I did not flinch or falter in my resolve as I saw flesh stripped down from bones and heard screams ring in my ears. I did not cry when my own did the same. She put her hood back up, looking up to the ceiling. It was then, by some miracle, that he came to me. I was propelled to a place of endless stars converging on one another and cannibalizing themselves. It was an entropy of endless death and life. A most beautiful place. He spoke to me and offered me a choice. The same I have been instructed to offer to you now. And what may that be? 
I asked, knowing I'd need to prepare myself for the backlash when I declined. Join me in the feast? Or become a part of it? Her teeth flashed as the black serpent of a tongue she held in her mouth poked out but for a second before slinking back into her gaping maw. I saw a shimmer on the tip, but I couldn't place what it was. I stood up, cracking my back as I stared at her. This poor, pitiful soul. I guess every patron has their poison. Time's up. Have you chosen your drink? I asked, knowing full well what will happen the moment she puts her lips on either one, neither being an outcome she could possibly know about. Have you chosen yours, Sullivan? She leered, a raspy breathing sound emanating from her hood before striking me in the neck with a sharpened tongue, the sting temporary but followed by a wave of searing heat. What is it with you people and poison? I cried, holding my neck and expecting to feel the pain run through my body, but it didn't. Instead, I felt an all-too-familiar sensation that I had no means to counteract, save for getting to a seated position. I was paralyzed. I cast my eyes to the shelf and saw a small hole in a particular bottle just beneath the two I had pulled from the top shelf, leaking its contents down to the floor. It was a golden heart with vines growing around it and a key emblazoned in the center. The adjudicator concoction. How... how did you... I gasped, feeling my legs stiffen and my breathing grow heavy as my chest compacted and refused to release. Gomez was more than an informant, Mr. Sullivan. He was an informant with allure. We learned so much through his eyes and our master was enamored by what he saw. Boundless opportunities to bring forth more of his flock, to help spread his glorious message. So I come to you with a question. She leaned forward and I saw her smile as my body froze in place, the fear of what may come next rushing through me. How does my master get to this place? How does my master get to this place? I can already feel my eyes twisting in their sockets at the prospect of what the adjudicator can and will do to me if I betray my thoughts. I can still hear furious fighting in the back, and it's dawning on me that I have no way out of this without being totally honest. I try to speak, but my throat is caking over with this familiar black foam. What? Head? I gurgle. Yes. Go on. Disquiet hisses, leaning in. I said, what's for her head? The sound of a bottle smashing against the table and then colliding with Disquiet's skull punctuates the air. As a thick green liquid pours down her robes, she shivers as it coats her and casts her eyes in the direction it was thrown. There she sees a tall, thin man with his hood up, white face mask and circular glasses shimmering in the light, smiling at her and clutching a second bottle of McGill's Black Sea Extract, the entirety of its contents now enveloping disquiet as she begins to slip back and fall into the thickening sludge. Black Sea Extract. Float or sink depending on your volition, huh? Krauss grins at the bottle before looking over at me. Why would you sell this? He cries out incredulously. I would have shrugged, but I was still paralyzed. Disquiet writhes on the floor and shrieks as her contorted joints cannot free her from the liquid as it rapidly turns to concrete, anchoring her in place. 
Kraus looks around and spies the pierced bottle of Adjudicator on the top shelf, the remaining contents now spilt onto the floor. He reads the label and begins to panic. Oh god, oh fuck! What do I do, Sully? How do I stop this bitch from doing whatever it is she started doing to you? Again, I can do nothing but gurgle. My last bit of resistance used in the declaration to Kraus. He stumbles over to me after stepping on Disquiet's chest, much to her chagrin. He begins looking me over for a solution. You won't find much there, dear. Nell's voice calls from the regular's lounge, chatter slung over her shoulder, and the inert body of reverence being pulled by the collar around his neck. Seems Nell attached chatters to him for hilarity. She's weird like that. She's covered with blood and her eyes are wild with passion, but her voice and demeanor are completely calm. She tosses Reverence's body next to Disquiet's and gently sets Cheddar down by me, placing his favorite blanket in his mouth and looking me over. Sullivan, I can fix this, but it's going to hurt. Her eyes met mine, and I can see the reluctance in her face. But you knew what you were signing up for when we first met, didn't you? She pulls my head to her chest, kissing the top of it before whispering, Do it for her, Sullivan and driving her palm square into my stomach. I felt the searing pain rush through me anew as her hand collected the bulk of the adjudicator in a small pool, pulling a bottle from inside her coat pocket and sealing it away. No sooner had the adjudicator left my body, a bright white light began to engulf my vision. The sound of my heartbeat filled my ears, and the last thing I heard before my consciousness faded was... Find your truth, Sullivan. That is the only way to finish the detoxification effects. It was now. She was pleading with me. Find it and come back to us. I couldn't tell you exactly what year it was, but I was younger. The bar wasn't the same, and I definitely did not have a mustache. I was tinkering with some drinks in the back of the bar when I heard a ring out as a hurried, much younger version of Kraus fell through the entranceway. The entertainment in the back stopping mid-song to see what the commotion was all about. He was beaten up, bruised, and his glasses were cracked. Welcome to- What the hell happened to you? Are you okay? I rushed over to pick him up when a much bigger man entered behind him, the fury on his face apparent. You fucking freak. If you ever try to pull that shit again, I will make sure this feels like a massage in comparison. His face was practically shaken with rage as he stormed off. <laughs> Never stopped me before, Dad. Kraus choked between laughter, a tooth dislodged and rolled freely on the wooden floor. I sighed and helped him to his feet. I don't even want to know what you did this time. I groaned, getting him to the bar stool and offering him a rag and some ice to stop the swelling. <laughs> no, no, you do not. He laughed dabbing his right eye with the rag, and a bloodied grin stretched across his face. What matters is yours is the first place I go to when things kick off, and we always have each other's backs. Since day one of opening, literally, my shoulders fell as I tried to find him a good drink. One of these days, it's going to be too much for you. You know that, right? Of course. That's the fun part, figuring out which day it'll be. God, I hope it's on hump day. He laughed. He snickered to himself before shouting, Ah, fuck! When his jaw moved too much. I looked at the top shelf and found a mixture I'd been sent earlier today. It was a locket shaped like a four-leaf clover, 
with a thick golden chain hanging from its tips. A beautiful gold hue emanated from the center, and a single clasp acted as the opener, the label attached to the chain reading, Posthwaite and daughters give to you the Luxirum, one part honey, one part scotch, and one part distilled fortunes. You will see your luck turn around at but a moment's notice, for better or for worse. Maybe this will stop you from getting the shit kicked out of you so much. I teased as I unclasped the vial and poured its contents into a small silver glass, the gold hue transferring to it and displaying a beautiful shimmer. Well, maybe then you look like the hot one out of the two of us. He jeered back, sharing a chuckle as he downed half and passes it to me. I smirked and joined him. A far smaller, puppy-like chowder bounced from the other room and leapt up on Krause's lap, the once goofy, boofing, sounding now more like small borks, and the drool ever-present as he licked the wounds covering Krause and tried his best to comfort him, Krause laughing the entire time. Man, if I had a dog like this, I'd take any fucking job they had available. He chuckled between slobbery kisses from Cheddar. The door to the bar opened again and a young woman stepped in, early twenties and utterly spellbinding. Her slender figure cut through the noise and the atmosphere of the bar, her red hair flowing down her shoulders and across her chest in an elegant curl, eyes alight with the spark of life. I could not take my eyes off her, and Krauss calling me repeatedly dissipated into the ether as she walked up to me, a mixture of confidence and mania written across her face. Welcome to the spaces between. I'm Sully, and that little furry fella is Cheddar. The slightly bigger and louder one is Krauss. What can I get for you? Her smile immediately faded as soon as I was done with my introduction. You... you don't... She breathed, her soft voice a far cry from the croaky gruffness that I am accustomed to hearing, courtesy of Krauss. Is everything alright? I asked, already trying to figure out what kind of drink she may need not focusing on the fact her demeanor was rapidly changing. Sully, my Sully, you've forgotten me already? Her eyes fell and the smile dropped into a deep, hateful scowl. Cheddar whimpered and leapt down from Krause's lap and ran behind my legs. Uh-oh, did you break a heart, Sully? That ain't like you, Chief. Krause chuckled and nursed his wounded, slobber-covered face. If you don't... If you don't recall who I am... Right now, Sully, I'm going to get very upset. I stared. In all the years I'd ran that bar, I'd never seen her before, and I consider myself incredibly adept at remembering faces, especially someone as beautiful as her. I'm sorry, ma'am, but I don't... I began, stopping as I watched with a slack jaw what came next. The sound of Cheddar piddling behind me in fear and Krauss diving under the table and screaming. Uh, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? She screamed, her jaw unclenching and eventually dislocating, showing no signs of slowing down as her facial features began to coalesce and collapse under the pressure of the skin folding over. No tongue or teeth in sight anymore as the jaw stretched back and a smaller head began to peer out of the far reaches of the throat. Gleaming eyes and a horrific voice pushing through the echo of the scream rang out. I am so deeply disappointed in you, Sullivan. You forgot the promise you made so long ago. You forgot the reasons you took this job. I thought love was the strongest binding force there is. Hmm. It shrugged its shoulders, 
The hair, skull, and face sagged back and drooped over the spine. But I still believe the saying is true. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I couldn't form sentences. I was gripped by a fear I had never known. The kind that slows down your movements as if wading through quicksand. The kind that seems to turn your cohesive thoughts into fractals and your once eloquent speech patterns into terrified stutters. I had seen many strange things in this job, but this took the cake. Don't worry, I am not here to hurt you. For this was a test, and due to limitations, this wasteful corpse will be disposed of, and you can come about your ignorant existence. But... It leaned forward, and I could see the faint glint of a smile in the far back of its throat. I will have a drink before I depart. I swallowed, my throat dry and my eyes stinging as I realized I hadn't blinked. I shakily turned on my heel and frantically scanned the top shelf of the bar, desperate to find something that would suit this monstrosity's palate. The smallest object caught my eye and the shape sealed the deal. It was a brain, splintered into two segments one bubbling with gold liquid and the other a grayish substance that fogged over that side of the glass. Taking it down, I looked carefully at the note. The Pilgrim's Choice, for when we need to find our way once again. I sat it down in front of the creature, shaking hands, pouring out the champagne swelling liquid first, then the gray matter that fogged over the glass, both coming together to form a brilliant silver concoction that smelled of elderberries. The creature laughed at my nervousness. Perhaps you should get a drink yourself too, Sullivan. I think you'll need it. Shit, maybe it was my nerves or the suggestive nature of their voice at the time, but I believed it. I grabbed a bottle from under the bar. It was a special blend I'd been working on myself and now seemed as good a time as any to try it out. The bottle in the form of a cracked heart. A blend of herbs and spices filled my nose as I uncorked it and poured it into a clean glass, the green and yellow liquid bubbling the second it left the bottle. This is, well, it's called arrhythmia. It's something I've been working on for quite a while now. Well, well, I don't know what it'll do just yet, I said, confused at why I was even explaining to this thing. But I suppose professional courtesy wins out every time. I raised the glass and said, cheers. We both drank. I mean, I did. This weird fucker simply threw the liquid into its maw and that's all I could tell you. And within a couple of minutes, the effects of each drink became apparent. I sat back and felt my body shiver as I pulled out my pocket watch and I stared at it wistfully, my eyes hazing over as I smiled from ear to ear. Meanwhile, the figure opposite me coughed and sputtered, anger again building in their frame as they tried to throw the drink back up. The retching gave way to the sound of sliding wet meat as hands emerged from the mouth and began to try to claw their way out, screams erupting from the creature while I did nothing to stop them or react to them, instead fixated on what was in my pocket watch. I am the rightful god of this remaining realm. You cannot take my claim to rights away like this. This is not how it's supposed to be. He screeched, an arm now nearly free from the mouth and pulling at the table in front blindly, attempting to grab something other than the air in a vain attempt to stop whatever the drink had done. 
Krauss, beneath his chair a few feet away from the beast, hollered out, Are you going to steal for that John Carpenter reject or what? But all I could do was smile. Since you're going to forget in a minute, and I suppose I am too, I'll let you in on what just happened. I began, a sliver of tears running down my cheek as I felt the lump in my throat. What I just took was an experiment to see if I could recall why I fought so hard in this job, why I took it in the first place, because all I had before was this feeling when I looked at my pocket watch. Nothing else. He stopped thrashing as hard and, though still coughing, focused on my words. I did it. I remembered why I am here and what I… we are doing. But like you, I'll forget soon. I pointed to his drink and then to my head, pulling the trigger of a gun and imitating an explosion. The Pilgrim's Choice is a reset button of sorts. We have a few of those here, but most are more subtle. Some deal with key moments in life or choices we can try again. Yours? Yours is a total wipe, and you'll forget how you found this place, who I am, and what all of this even is. The only one who's going to remember everything is him. I pointed towards the still mostly hidden Krauss, who looks at me and mouths the words, fuck off at me silently, eyes awash with incredulity and anger. I guess it's a twist on that old legend of adversaries, isn't it? Instead of one remembers and one forgets, we both forget, but someone always remembers. I watched the creature fall to the floor and cough heavily, choking on the fluid and trying in vain to bring it up. I knelt down low and showed him the contents of the pocket watch still smiling, but with a fresh anger within. This is what I fight for. This is what I remember. Even if you don't, I know what you did, and I will stay in this bar a thousand more years if it means my end of the deal is held up. I will be dust before I give in. Every time I feel like quitting without realizing it, this photo will push me on. You will never win, Amos. I lean in closer and stare deep into that gaping maw, holding the photo of a younger me in my arms wrapped around a woman my age. The photo faded, but the love and comfort it brought amplified by the drink, hands shaking as I let my smile slip for a moment. Not in this or any realm. Amos screamed and began to fade from the room, dissipating into a hiss of black smoke as his free arms reached one last time to grab for me, aiming for the pocket watch. As the smoke cleared, I stood silently and clutched it tightly to my chest, tears flowing down my face as I felt the memories already fading, the potency of the drink obviously not strong enough. Krauss scrambled from his spot and came over to me, waving his hand in front of me but to no avail. Sully, buddy, you okay? I'm sorry, but it'll be a little while before I remember again, but I will keep my promise, always. I will remember to save, I whispered, closing the pocket watch and wiping my eyes as I felt the last of that familiarity fade from me. What, what the hell was that, Sully? Old friend of yours? From before the bar? I looked at him, perplexed, cheddar whining at my heels and trying to jump up for a hug. Do me a solid, clean up the pee, would you? I need to take care of this little fella and fix him something to eat. Krauss looked confused, but shrugged and made a beeline for the bar grabbing a rag and muttering. Well, least witch shit I've done today. So why the hell not? Fuck, my face hurts. I better be getting some Emporium whiskey on the house for this. I laughed as I carried Cheddar to the fridge. Thanks, Naya. 
Naya? Who's that? I came too. Kraus standing over me and inspecting my face. Uh, Kraus. I met Kraus. I don't know why I said Naya. I rubbed my head, the feeling in my limbs returning and vigor quickly running through my body. Jesus. Remind me to never drink around you and not pay my tab. Kraus comments as he helps me to my feet, obviously unable to quantify how this was happening, but unwilling to question it. Nell had been fixing up the two on the floor while I was out cold. The concrete-like substance gone from disquiet, and the hilariously adorned cheddar collar back on its rightful owner as Reverence sat upright, his hulking frame shifting from side to side as he tried to get free from the razor-thin wire bindings Nell had wrapped him and his compatriot in. She looked over at me and smiled. Cheddar was still passed out in his bed at the end of the bar, stuffed animal in his mouth and blanket around his lower half, drool covering the floor. Your dog is one hell of a fighter when he wants to be, Sullivan. She said softly, breathing heavily herself and putting the bottle away. Reverence didn't know what to make of his second form, but after all that, he just sleeps like a normal dog. He's such a good boy. She rubbed the top of his head as he whimpered and chewed down on his toy. Now, we have a problem to deal with. She said, dusting off her hands and walking over to the two hooded forms on the floor. Her determination absolute as she pulled over a chair, yanked at Disquiet's hand, and placed it on the seat. This is futile. I will not falter in my faith. Even if my mission has failed and my lord punishes me, you cannot do anything to me. He is not already deemed appropriate. She looked up, eyeless but defiant, and smirked at Nell, who did not reciprocate. Works for me. I have a different system to my protege over there that you tried to torture. So why waste any time? She pulled her serrated blade, dripping in a thick substance, from her belt buckle with one hand and opened the creature compendium to a bookmarked section, reading aloud. To maximize the efficiency of pain, one must be swift and decisive in their cut, but precise enough to leave the nerve endings open to the cool air so the bleeding combined with the nerve damage keeps your prey in a constant state of pain-riddled inertia. Without hesitation, she brings the coated blade down and drives it into Disquiet's hand, severing two fingers below the knuckle. The fluid bubbling the second it meets the exposed flesh and begins pulling at the bones, the sinew, and the nerves, exposing them further out from the pulpy mass whence they came. Disquiet's ear-splitting screams were beyond measure. She desperately tried to get her body away from Nell, but the strategic wiring made it impossible. She instead shook in place, drool flowing from her mouth as her initial scream became a low moan, the pain putting her into a lulled state. I will ask you a similar question to what you asked my student. How did you come to this place? Reverence thrashed but said nothing to aid his fellow disciple, who continued to moan softly and whisper incoherently even as Nell brought the knife up. I am not fooling around here, girl. Do you wish to break the laws this universe has in place? Do you think yourself that arrogant? You are not above creation. You do not stand shoulder to shoulder with our Lord. You are nothing more than a sin, waiting to be purged. Disquiet's rage rising like the flames and settling as she smirked with her singed tongue. That is absolutely fine. But I'm here to remind you that for every action... She drives the knife into her remaining three digits, severing them completely as the process begins anew. She sits up and walks to the bar, finding a pulse thumper and downing it as disquiet screams. There's a consequence. 
and her name is Nell fucking Lockwood. The screams once again gave way to moans, but this eventually turned into rapturous laughter, first from disquiet and then from reverence. At first, I thought it to be mania brought on by the pain, but as the black smoke filled the room, I knew something was imminent. You, you are not the only one who has allies to save you, but I assure you, this is the last time. All things must eventually fade and be cannibalized into beautiful entropy. Her agony taking a considerable toll on her as she faded into the smoke. Reverence may fade, but your grief will not, for I will live, your friends will rot. Reverence bellowed as he too began to fade, the black smoke far thicker than before and engulfing the entirety of the bar as I ducked for cover, pulling the blanket over Cheddar's head. The form of Temperance broke through the smoke and stood in a small parting she'd made, her own vestments now on but the hood down, a smile across her face. Sullivan, I come to you with a choice from Lord Amos. He wishes to give you two options before what he anticipates will be the final meeting you two share. The final meeting we all share, I imagine. She gestured to the room like a proud parent before letting her arms fall listlessly to her side, biting her lip. You see, in his omniscience, he figured out how to get here. It's the binding forces of this plane that allow us to step through those doors. In this case, it was the binding force of love. She pulls something from her pocket and throws it to the ground in front of me with a thud. It's a black lockbox the contents of which spill in front of me as my eyes widened. Letty, to be exact. She's with us now, the constant supply of energy we need to get here, but alas, it is not nearly enough for my lord to step into this space. So, instead, in his infinite wisdom and gesture of goodwill, he offers you a most important choice. Let me guess, join him or spend a lifetime in suffering? I call back, still under the desk and hoping I'm not stupid enough to get injured by every member of this fucking group, searching for a drink that can aid me and finding nothing in reach. She laughs, but there's something off about it. It's cruel, low, and frantic, as if she knows something I don't. No, Sullivan. You're going to suffer either way. The choice is far more important than that. No drinks to save you, no weapons in sight, and no way out. Lord Amos knows this is your next true test. And how blessed am I that I get to administer it. <laughs> she laughs again. This time I hear a sizzling sound and a low hum growing in sound and intensity. Enough so that I look up to see her wielding a black flame in her hand, almost like concentrated black smoke, burning impossibly hot and shaking like lightning. Her eyes meet mine, and I sense her bloodlust as her grin twists, the lightning twisting with her. <laughs> this is a far stronger bonding agent sitting right here that we can utilize. Something so strong that the next time we step foot into this place, our lord will be at our side, and he will complete what he started so, so long ago. That bonding agent isn't just in one vessel, however. It's in three. I took one look around the bar, first to Kraus who is staring head-on at Temperance, next to Nell who nods solemnly before grabbing at her blade, then to Cheddar who hasn't stirred from under his blanket, still asleep and unaware, finally to the photo on the floor of a young man and a woman with their arms wrapped around each other. 
The photo faded, but the love and warmth permeating from it, even now. Who will it be, Sully? Kraus? Nell? Or Cheddar? I firmly believe there are pivotal moments in our lives that we can take absolute ownership of, even if it feels like we don't have a choice in that moment. For so many of us, it's the pivotal choice that stands before us at the end of a long, painful day. Do we take the old and beaten path to our destination, or take a shortcut home that may be fraught with danger? Do we stay in that job and risk monotony growing within us like a cancer, or do we take a chance on a world without a financial safety net? Do we let our loved one live a little bit longer in hopes they'll wake up, or do we do the merciful thing and let them go with dignity? In each of these scenarios and countless others, there are clear options, and they define us as a people when we take them. But standing here in this moment with the option of my friend, my mentor, or my companion to be taken away, I find that the choices we make are far harder than what can be put down in a document. I gaze at all three of them, the decision absolutely impossible to make and my heart beating out of my chest as Temperance stares at me, awash with bloodlust. Who will it be, Sully? Kraus? Nell? Or Cheddar? I can't make the decision. I won't make the decision. This is not what I set out to do so many years ago, and no amount of coercion can change that. I begin to raise my arms and charge at Temperance, but I feel the entire atmosphere change. The air felt thick and hot, my limbs slowing down and everything around me coming to a complete stop. There, the scene splayed out bare, Temperance holding out black flames of lightning, the fog around her like she was pestilence incarnate. To my left, Cheddar was asleep under his blanket drool frozen in place like a drop of water thawing out on a cold day. Above him was Nell, an expression of fatigue and contentment staring back at me, one hand gripping the knife and the other rubbing the cover of her compendium. To the back was Kraus, a look of total shock and mid-scream of an expletive as he jumped back from the impending smoke. Well, I see the choice hasn't been made yet. Seems I was on time. Turning slowly, a young woman with a small instrument strapped to her back was sitting on the other end of the bar, her head lazily resting on her hand as she observed the situation. She was tall and slender, her face covered with piercings and her lips smeared in black lipstick. Her flowing brown hair nestled under a dark blue hoodie. You haven't got much time, and neither have I, so we should probably get to it. But first... She looked at the shelf and back at me several times, waiting for me to respond or to move. Sweat still running down my brow. Her eyes widen and she sits up, an audible, Oh! coming from her as she clicks her fingers and I feel my body begin to move normally again. Sorry, been a while since I had to do this. Uh, I, I'm a little rusty. But how about that drink? She smiles and again waits on me. I wipe my forehead and stare down at her for a moment. Those are the rules here, aren't they? I will tell you a story and get my drink? That's what brings so many people here after all. <laughs> she laughs and waves her hand. Don't worry about what it is. Anything will do. Lost for words, I follow my instincts and go for the top shelf, 
spying a particular bottle that I think fits the circumstances, the red glow sealing the deal. A large shot glass with multiple edges carved out, going down and connecting levels like gazing into the circles of hell itself, each one changing the hue from light red to almost black at the bottom. A red-hot cube affixed to the side like a lemon on an iced tea, the label reading, Ornstein's Little Red Devil, for those whose sins burn hottest when dwelled upon. Oof, boy, you don't mess around when it comes to these things, do ya? She says, leaning over to share as I pour the mixture into the shot glass, tapping the cube to let a second black liquid run down each circle, creating a beautiful symmetry of crimson as it does. Well, a promise is a promise. My name is Freya, and I'm... Well, I guess you'd call me an observer. I watch the lives of those with importance, and at opportune moments step in and present them with a chance to make things different. She swirls the drink around, letting the mixture settle before taking a sip and tapping the instrument on her back. I'm also a bard, so when the choice is made, I like to write a song about it. Pretty cool, right? This isn't a normal situation, or a normal client, but I fall on normal decorum as if on autopilot. Well, this is the spaces in between. I'm Sully, and she puts out a hand and stops me mid-sentence. It's alright, I think we can safely establish I know who you are. Just like I know you're gonna need a drink in a minute, because we've got a lot to talk about and all the time in the world to do it. She gestures to the stool I keep on my side of the bar and ushers me to sit down. I oblige and reach under the table, pulling up an unlabeled container in the shape of a clock, the large hand pointing to four and the thin hand pointing to twelve. I turn the handle on the back, push the dials to 11.30pm, and shake the mixture before setting it back down. Curious. Are you not going to drink that fully? She eyes it, perhaps concerned it's a bomb or a weapon of some kind, but I flash a smile and seem to disarm her concerns. Last orders. I'll drink it when the bell rings. Now, why are you here? She looked me over before replying. You were given a chance by your mentor over there. A promise that one day you'd have a chance to set things right if you came to her services. Is that correct? Her eyes linger on Nell, who was still staring, still smiling in my direction. My throat felt dry. Yes, that's right, but that was a lifetime ago. I'd... I'd practically forgotten. In truth, I'd completely forgotten, save for those moments where lucidity overcame me thanks to a special blend of something I'd been working on. Freya rests her head on both hands now, crimson eyes looking at me with wonderment. Tell me what happened a lifetime ago, Sully. Tell me how we got to this choice. I don't recall where it was, but I remember the smell. Daffodils. Didn't matter what season it was or the weather conditions, it was always lingering on the wind and Naya loved it. She chose to always look on the bright side of things and I loved that about her. We'd been in our place for about six months. It was a dingy little apartment and was all we could afford, but we were young and happy. When you're 26 and in love, there's very little that will hinder your joy. I discovered that every time I felt the weight of the world bear down on me before looking into Naya's eyes. It was like stepping into a cool breeze on a hot summer day and intoxicated me beyond all words. I took a job in the downtown area a few miles from where we lived. It was a fair journey, but the money was good and they offered work virtually year-round. 
I knew that if I pushed myself hard now, it would benefit us in the long run. The final night I was ever in that apartment had horrific weather, and the rain was battering down. We'd been told a hurricane was likely either to come close to us and cause damage, or could very well hit us if it changed trajectory. Babe, I'm begging you, please don't go out tonight. She'd rub my arm and plead with me, knowing that I didn't want to go either. But I was steadfast in getting that extra pay, knowing what it would bring us. The wind was so strong that night and the fog so thick, I was terrified I would end up walking into oncoming traffic without realizing it. But I persevered and by some miracle made it to work without issue. Fat lot of good it did me though. They closed within the hour thanks to the extreme weather conditions. When I got home, I noticed the door was ajar. I called out but heard nothing. The smell of iron filling my lungs as I pushed the door open to find a massacre. She was face down in a pool of her own blood, clutching at a box from the delivery company, her hand never releasing its grip from the top corner. Our entire home had been ransacked and it looked like the storm had already hit, but man is far more cruel than nature. Eventually all I could see was her, my Naya. I don't remember much of the next few months. I wandered in a haze of pain and anger as the investigation continued. A key witness refused to testify and the case crawled to a stop. Maybe one of the detectives I sent 40 voicemails to asking for answers took pity on me, or maybe he just didn't care, but he let slip that they knew the group responsible and without their associates' testimony, they can't move on them. I remember finding their hideout, the anger boiling inside me like a rage I'd never felt before. Naya's smiling face engulfing my mind every single moment of every single day, threatening to render me blind to all other things. I put my hand on the door and pushed with all my might, ready to die and to make them suffer. But instead of a gang of monstrous people, I found a small cafe. It was old, Victorian-style decor with shelf after shelf of beans and blends. A small reading corner to my right and a kindly middle-aged woman standing at the counter beaming at me as I walked in. Welcome to the refuge of the weary, Sully. My name is Madam Nellie Lockwood, but you can just call me Nell for short. Have a seat, I'll be right with you. I don't know how to explain it, but every fiber of my rage was gone and replaced with a sense of calm. I did as she asked and wandered over to the counter, taking a seat and watching as she heat-checked a bottle of milk on her wrist before setting it on the table. I got a baby? It must be stressful. I asked, trying to keep my mind sharp and figure out where I was. Not exactly. You'll see. She chuckled, her dreadlocks bouncing on her shoulders. She grinned as a small sound broke out from beneath her and a tiny puppy began to rise up, impossibly long and grunting as it searched blindly for the bottle, clasping its tiny mouth on it and sinking back beneath the table as Nell took a hold of it and fed him. Cute... dog... I said, still processing what I'd seen and unsure if it was even real. She picked him up and he was a normal puppy once more, eagerly feeding from the bottle in her hand. Thanks. His name is Cheddar. Not sure how he got here either, but I found him on my doorstep, and here we are. Kinda similar to you, in a way. She looked at me, kind eyes flashing. Do you know how you got here? I shook my head, flashing images of Naya, the gang in a fight that never happened rushing past me as I rubbed my forehead. Well, Sully, I am going to fix you a drink, and we're going to talk about it, okay? 
She put a hand on my shoulder. All will be well, I promise. She grabbed a bag of beans from the shelf and began busying herself with a brew, adding in touches of ingredients and humming to herself before setting it down in front of me. It bubbled and I could smell dark chocolate and cinnamon. This little establishment of mine is special, as I'm sure you realize. It isn't your run-of-the-mill cafe. I offer a moment in time to let those of stout heart and strong will make a choice that will change where their lives go. Take a look at your chest for a moment, would you? She clicked her fingers as I looked down and see huge chunks of flesh vanish, gaping black holes left in their wake and total absence of pain. This is what happens if you go through that door and finish what you started. With rage in your heart and vengeance in your blood. You will lose, but... She taps the side of my drink and smiles wide. I will make you an offer. Run a little startup business I have in mind, and one day down the line, I will do better than get you revenge. I will get you a happy ending. She stares down at the tiny form of Cheddar, still grunting as he has his fill of milk. I'll even give you a companion, too. Cheddar will be a part of the establishment and will protect you until the end. Always. I stare for a moment, visualizing the life I've led up to that point. I see large swaths of grey, punctuated by the vibrant colors Naya brought to it with her smile, her demeanor, and the little things she did that in the hands of anyone else would be mundane, but in hers were fireworks. I hold the hot brew in both hands and down it in one go, the heat rushing through my body and the black holes giving way to new flesh as I felt the vigor of a purpose enter my soul. I'm in. I finished my story. Everything back in place in my mind where it should be. Wow. So you gave up everything in order to have a chance down the line? That's a gamble if I ever heard one. Freya sips her drink, her chin resting on her hand. Yeah, I guess something about what you do here allowed me to think clearly for the first time in... Well, I don't know how long. The real question is, what do you want? She took another sip of her drink and smiled, walking around the bar and looking over the jukebox, finishing the song and hitting play, her shoulders heaving as she took a deep breath and replied, I'm going to offer you a choice. Something similar to Nell's, but this one puts a lot more on your shoulders. She walked over in front of Temperance, who was still smiling and holding the black flames. She cupped her face in her hand for a moment, a look of sadness flitting across her face. Corrupted just like the rest. Sully, every time this happens, almost gets another chance to wreak havoc. What happened with you and Naya repeated over and over before culminating in this latest venture with Letty. He preys on these moments of chance, like you're destined to do this until one of you wins. Nell didn't just give you a chance, she gave Naya one too. I felt the sweat run down my face at the mere mention of her name. How... how did she... I breathed, stammering. Naya is stuck between realms. She's tried to reach out so many times, but never managed to complete it. She tried with cheddar, she tried with some of the drinks, and now she's tried again with... well... me. Freya looked forlorn, even ashamed at the notion as she stared at the floor. I kept feeling 
feeling her pulling at the threads of your life, and I just had to intervene, so I came up with a chance to circumvent the process and close the loop for good. She walked towards me and down the last of her drink, a short red breath emitting from her mouth as she breathed out, her eyes glowing bright. This is the sin that I will carry, but it's the one I will carry with... <laughs> pride. She chuckled a little before that same morose look fell on her face. I'm offering you the chance to put your own destiny into your hands. I've been subtly doing so this entire time, but I felt the need to be direct, you know, since I didn't stop this sooner. She held out a hand to me sheepishly. I'm sorry, Sully, but I hope this helps. The penny dropped, and I thought back throughout the last few days since this whole mess began. Letty and the ultrasound, her lockbox, Gomez seeing what he thought was a crib, the specific drinks being ordered and smashed. My chest felt heavy as the realization of everything set in and I walked over to Cheddar, who was still asleep under his blanket, frozen in that moment and unaware of what was about to happen. You'll take care of him for me, won't you? I asked, petting Cheddar softly as I felt my composure beginning to crack. Freya smiled softly as I rose to my feet, and she saw the gait of a man with a mission, feeling he'd made the right decision. Of course, Sully. Are you ready? The song on the jukebox began to end, and the bell for the last orders rang out, each tone reverberating through my chest as I straightened my tie and pulled down on my waistcoat. I am. With a snap of her fingers, the moment was reset, and I was back in front of a bloodlust-ridden temperance. The lightning flickered and burning bright in her hands. Who will it be, Sully? Kraus? Nell? Or Cheddar? Her eyes darted to each one as I stepped forward. None of them. I replied calmly, rags strewn over my shoulder as I wrung my hands. I've made my choice. A booming sound could be heard from behind the group as Freya stood in the doorway, her eyes no longer jubilant but filled with cold defiance. You will have a way to access this place in its entirety in 24 hours with your leader. This will all end tomorrow. She began moving her arms as Temperance screamed at her to stop, the smoke that enveloped them masking any sight of their frames. And bring Letty with you. With a crack, they were gone, the scene still in disarray as Kraus breathed heavily, Nell walking towards me with an expression of concern. What the hell have you... Why are the bells ringing out? You were supposed to choose me. Sully, what have you done? She slammed her hand down on the table as she finished, Cheddar looking up and bounding to my side, staring at my blank expression as I gripped my drink tightly, the glass threatening to crack under my grip. I chose to save you all. I chose me. I looked at Cheddar's soft face, to Krause's eyes as he realized what I'd done and finally to Nell's, unable to hide the pain behind them as I put on my best service smile and closed my eyes. This is the last call. I've loved being a bartender. So many different characters storming through my doors, wide-eyed and filled with problems that they needed to pass on to anyone else who'd listen. I always felt so fortunate they came through my doors and talked to me. Sometimes the stories were hard, other times they were hilarious. Oftentimes, they were sad. But I gave them a smile, some wisdom, and a hell of a drink to send them on their way. I never thought it'd be my turn, but here we are. 
the end of my little stint here at the spaces in between. I just want y'all to know it has been a beautiful journey and one that I hope I will pick up again someday. But before we crack on with the preceding events and whatever may happen when those doors open, just know that this has been the time of my life. I've got zero regrets. Have a drink on me, patrons. Have a drink on me. The next few hours were something of a blur. In between Nell's shouting, Krause's frantic pacing, Cheddar idly nuzzling my chest for attention, I just kind of flew through it. How could you? I gave you a chance, Sully. A chance to do this the right way. It should have been me! She repeated for the umpteenth time, her cool exterior breaking away minute by minute. I know, Nell. I can't tell you everything, but someone came along with a better deal, and, well, this is what's right. I shrugged, pulling up a stool from behind the bar and setting it down at the biggest table I had near the Hall of Fame wall next to my jukebox. Ain't much to do now but wait, right? Nell stared daggers at me. This clearly wasn't how she wanted things to go, and she was never shy with her emotions, even if they mostly came packaged in kindness. She kicked the stool over and Cheddar whimpered. I was ready to go, Sullivan. You had so much more time. Don't you get it? I had seen what was coming and I... I... She put her hand over her mouth and her eyes fell, tears streaming down her cheeks and soaking her hands. Oh God, you've really done it, haven't you? Oh, Sully. She sat down at the table and her body sulked over. I swear she aged ten years right there in front of me. I walked over and placed a hand on her shoulder. She grabbed it with hers and held it tightly. I'm sorry, but this is how I get my happy ending and keep all of you safe. I looked over at Kraus, still pacing but in a far more controlled mood than Nell. Now let's all sit down and have a drink, share a story, and celebrate the life we have before the time is up. Consider it a last request. I said, winking at Kraus, who stopped in his tracks, cast his eyes to the floor, and walked over to take a seat in silence. I went to the shelves and found three bottles, the last friendly drinks I'd ever serve. I grabbed the glasses and placed them down in front of us, Cheddar electing to sit by my side and rest his head on my lap, a soft panting and big eyes staring up at me as my free hand patted his soft head. For you, Mr. Kraus, a bottle of Imperium Zotal Whiskey. As promised a long time ago, I even put a special blend in there for you, to honor our friendship and all the patience you've had putting up with me. The orange liquid beamed as I poured a healthy amount into a whiskey glass on the rocks, spots of brown sizzling as I slid it over to him. He didn't look up from his position or respond as I grabbed the next bottle. Madam Nell Lockwood, for you I have something I've been saving for a long time. I placed a black and red flask in front of her. A hexagon symbol emblazoned over the front with the words, The Hunter's Dream, when the battle looms and your senses must be at their sharpest. Your vigor will find no end, nor will your bloodlust. I unscrewed the flask and poured the mixture for Nell as she refused to make eye contact. I expected as much, but I was undeterred. I walked around to the bar and found a worn package with crude wrapping. I smiled. Remembering I'd gotten this a few months back and had completely forgotten to even open it. I excitedly tore apart the wrapping paper as Cheddar waltzed into view, undoubtedly eager to chew on some of it before he laid eyes on what was in the package. 
Hey, buddy, this is for you. I smiled, holding out a cross-stitched blanket I'd ordered. On it was myself holding a younger cheddar as he licked my face. I wanted you to have something I knew you'd never forget. You're my right-hand companion, after all, and you've always been by my side. I scrunched up his face and tossed his mane before holding out the blanket. He looked up at me for a long moment, eyes surveying the situation, before he gingerly took it in his mouth and gently chewed on it, bringing it with him back to the table and proceeding to make eye contact with me every now and then as the night wore on. I walked over to the jukebox and saw my old playlist from when I'd started running it, smiling at some of the choices before letting my finger over the last one and hitting play. Come on guys, this is a bar filled with stories and you know how we only accept payment with drinks, so let's have it. One last time. I sat back down, Nell and Krauss having not moved an inch the entire time, Cheddar's blanket chewing the only sound filling the room. Sully, this isn't a casual drink. This is your life we're talking about. You know when Amos and his little group comes through that door like fucking D-Day has descended on us? You're as good as dead. Krauss shifted in his chair, his hand gripping the glass tightly. Is this what you want? Is this how things have to be? He looked up at me. I'd never seen such a look of frustration and conflict on his face. Is this really what's going down, Sully? Krauss, you always got into fights when I opened this place. The hell was happening back then? You always seemed to have someone after you for one issue or another. I want to know why. I grinned, and Nell, wiping her eyes, took a drink and stared in Krauss's direction. Yeah. Come on, Krauss. We haven't got all night. Let's hear it. Krauss sighed and took a shot of his Emporium whiskey and let the cold mixture run through his veins as he shuddered. <sighs> Fuck yeah. Now that's the stuff. All right. Well, I guess it's a simple enough story, and if Soli here is going to be a crazy bastard and take on this beast face to face, I want to at least make him laugh when he mean mugs him. He takes another swig, wiping his face and hiccuping. <laughs> Truth is, I was always a bit of a bastard. My outburst got me kicked out of every joint and foster home you could imagine. <laughs> Maybe it was because of how I looked. I don't know. In those early days, I was still kind of figuring out who I was. Folks called me Hilda. She was a great gal. But that was a lifetime ago. He looks wistful for a moment before flashing that mischievous grin I'd come to know. Some folks simply didn't like me as a person. And I was always a bracer from years of defending my identity. So I guess the capricious nature stuck. The day you met me, Sully... I was finishing up a job for an older guy, and we got to talking about his family. Duke pulls out some old pictures and wouldn't you know it? Hilda's right there, staring right back at me. <laughs> so I did what anyone would do. I stared, enraptured. And that was... He chuckled, taking a huge swig before slamming the bottle back down and shouting, Hey, ya dad! You miss me? With his arms splayed wide. Suffice to say, he wasn't buying it. When I gave him the details of my upbringing after he dumped me in the foster home, he got mad and fists went flying. What can you do? At least I got closure. <laughs> his laughter died down and he stared at his glass for a moment. He calmed down a bit after. And we talked from time to time. I think in his old age he kind of likes having a son and not having a daughter. 
Heck, I kind of like having a dad. A family. He looked at all of us and shook his head. <sighs> Fuck your feelings. What a drink. To me, Harry Krause, the king of hedonism and booze. He shouted before necking the last of his glass and pouring more from the container. All right, Madam Lockwood, keeper of the compendium and slayer of the bone spider scourge. It's your turn. I could feel the mood changing for the better. Thirty minutes left on the clock as Nell let out her first real chuckle of the night and began heartily drinking from her flask. I'll admit, I chose drinks to raise their spirits, their anger and their passion for the battle ahead. But the enthusiasm was certainly good for morale too. Nell gasped as she put it down and I could see her face already growing red. Ugh, what the hell. A hunter's work is never done, is it? Alright, I've got a story to tell you. She rose from her seat, opening her book and twirling her knife playfully in her hand, pacing around the table as she began to read aloud. When my world was young and I had eyes far wider than now, I was a true explorer. I spent my time with my best friend Buck, Nasty McGraw, a true explorer and degenerate beyond anyone's wildest expectations. Even yours, Kraus. She shot him a quick glance as he sputtered on his drink. Many years ago, we were on the trail of something called the Pillar, the source of all the cryptids we've seen popping up across the world. I was young and rambunctious. I desperately wanted to be the hero and have a legend told about me, as did Buck. But we got caught in the final skirmish and, well, that's how I ended up with this. She lifted her dreads and a single, fine scar ran across the base of her neck and situated itself between her spine and her head. It had a thick black shimmer to it, as if it were glowing. I was gravely wounded, and a deal was cut, to let me live as long as I carried out a few favors, guided a few key souls, and that Buck did something too. He gave his all for me, and when I awoke... I was in the cafe known as the Refuge of the Weary. Someone was there, and they told me this was part of my deal, and that was that. I never saw Buck again, but I knew what he'd done. That's the way it goes, isn't it? She finished pacing and sat back down at the table, a sly smile hiding immense pain as she reached for her drink. Someone good must always fall for things to be fixed. I'm sure this won't be the last situation I find myself in, staring down the barrel of a gun. Or an impending funeral for the people I love. The selfish jerks. We all shared a good chuckle as the clock informed us we had a few minutes left. The attention once again going back to me. <laughs> well, Sully, you've still got a drink. Sit there and a story to tell. So let's hear it. Krauss hiccuped as he swayed on his seat. My story is a simple one too, as I'm sure you both know. I began, my hand idly petting a weary-eyed cheddar who refused to let me out of his sight. Just a man trying to find his happy ending. I smiled, true contentment running through me as I took in the moment. And your drink? Nell asked, staring at the bottle, titled Ornstein's Little Red Devil, sat in the center of the table. Oh, that's not for me, I replied, looking past them to the door where Freya stood, arms crossed and held at the elbows, standing awkwardly back as if hesitant to make contact. Is it time? 
She nodded, looking at the clock. One minute to go. Well, looks like it's closing time. I got up from my seat and stretched my back out before pulling down my waistcoat, straightening my tie and twirling my mustache, looking to each one of my friends. Let's make this the night to remember. The scene was picturesque. I stood at the front of my group, hands in my pockets and a surly look on my face, with Chatter sat dutifully in front, his ears perked up and teeth bared. Krauss was in the corner to my right, halfway through the Zolot and rummaging through some old bottles, making something as he hissed expletives under his breath. On the opposite side was Nell, a manic look in her eyes as she finished the hunter's dream and brought out the coated knife, bouncing up and down on the spot as she breathed heavily, eagerly waiting for her opponent. Freya snapped her fingers, and the room filled with the thick black smoke from before, as the hooded forms of Temperance, Disquiet, Reverence, and Letty pushed themselves through the haze and stood opposite each of us. Letty looked exhausted. Her clothes were ragged, and she seemed so frail, held at the neck by Temperance, who held no regard or care for her safety as she spoke to me. Time's up. Guess this is where it all ends, huh? She smiled as she gripped Letty tighter and continued. Good. I hate the cesspool of alcoholism and filth. I've had enough unpleasant experiences here to last a lifetime. I hope our lord burns it to the ground. You couldn't perchance choose a more apropos term, Sister Temperance. I find that imagery most unappealing. Disquiet replied a touch of anger present in her voice as she kept her hands firmly pointed towards Kraus. Revere us if you wish. The time has passed to run. Our lord is upon us. Your penance has now come. Reverence boomed from beneath the hood, as bright eyes gleaned from the darkness and bore into Nell, who remained unchanged in her position or expression. Welcome to the spaces in between, ladies and gentlemen. I began, stretching out my hands to either side. I'm sorry to say the bar is now closed. You may leave the premises willingly, or... Oh, please. Do say it, Sullivan. Temperance beamed at me, the smile twisting as her malice rose. I do so want to hear you say it. But before I could, a crash emanated from Krause's corner as he began screaming incessantly, bottles strewn about him as he finished downing a deadly mixture of old beverages, things I didn't even know were still here. But key among them, as a bottle rolled to my feet, was Mama Killa's pulse thumper. Kraus convulsed and rose off the ground, his heartbeat audible throughout the room as small pockets of concentrated air began to push from his feet and arms. Or handle a very intoxicated and enraged Kraus. I finished, eyes fixated on my friend as his screams changed to manic laughter. Say hello to Slaughterhouse Kraus, bitches! Cried, launching himself at Disquiet and sending both flying through the door adjacent to them, crashing into the stockroom as bellows could be heard. Temperance's eyes were twitching at the sight. You dare make the same mistake twice? Her fingers dug into Letty's neck as she whimpered. Oh yeah, we definitely dare. I didn't come this far by not taking risks, and neither did he. Nell grinned, her eyes alight with the fire of passion and the empty flask at her feet. But I won't just take reverence this time. I'll take you along for the ride, too. In a single swift motion, she threw her knife towards Reverence, hitting him in the chest as she pushed Letty towards me, wrapping Temperance's hands behind her back and rushed off. Reverence staggering but chasing after her, a momentary glance and a smile later, she was gone into the back rooms. 
For a moment, there was a total silence. I took the opportunity to move myself back behind the bar and place two bottles alongside two shot glasses, Cheddar still sitting in front of the hole and growling, his form growing larger as he felt the threat looming. Letty recomposed herself as she got up off the floor, rubbing her neck before laying her eyes on me. Hi, Sully. It's been quite a while, huh? She said nervously, pain and exhaustion sapping her of so much of her zest. I guess you're wondering about a lot of things, but I can explain- It's okay, Letty. I smiled at her, holding a hand out over the bar and ushering her to sit on the far end. I understand. You understand? But how? I haven't- He hasn't said anything to you yet. She trailed off, nervously picking at her skin on her worn fingers. He didn't need to. Someone else did. What matters is I know, and it'll all be alright. But it explains why the Milkham concoction didn't work on you. Why nobody came after Gomez, or why this whole mess began. But I want you to know it's not your fault, okay? No matter what happens next, I forgive you. She shifted uncontrollably in her seat, and her legs shook violently as she looked at the empty bottle of Mama Killa's pulse thumper nearby, withdrawal undoubtedly setting in. Sully, what did you see? She asked, biting her lip anxiously. Without looking at her, I sighed and replied. I saw what was in your lockbox, Letty. Freya was able to show me. Photos of me and Nea. Very old photos. Her eyes filled with tears and she began to apologize, but the time had passed. A few minutes later, the looming shadow passed through the void. Long black limbs stretched out across the corners of the bar as the physical form of Amos followed behind it. He was tall, thin and gangly, a facsimile of his very shadow sporting an all-black suit with a gold-buttoned waistcoat and a bald head, his dark skin glistening in the light of the neon sign. His eyes were older than the rest of him. Not a single blemish or unkempt hair adorned his skin, but those eyes were patchy and dry, the tiny black pupils widening as he fixated on Cheddar. My, my, what a beautiful companion you have here. His baritone voice commanded the room to such a degree that my ears clicked as soon as the first consonant rang out. Cheddar began to morph into his elongated state, but Amos simply held up a hand and said, Down, boy. Cheddar immediately receded and bounded back behind me, his fear transferring to my own body at the mere touch of his head against my leg. Amos made no attempts to fight but elegantly walked across to the seat I had laid out for him, taking a seat and wrapping his lengthy fingers across the mahogany table. So here we are at last, Mr. Renshaw. He smiled, the teeth far too white and perfect, immediately setting alarm bells off in my head. Or do you first, Sullivan? <laughs> I have been waiting ever so long to see you again. Did you like the lure? He cast his eyes in Letty's direction and chuckled. Poor thing. She had no idea. A mess of creative energy that was completely untapped. I'm glad I found her when I did. My eyes moved to Letty, a tearful and anxious mess who couldn't keep eye contact before darting back to the far too normal Amos seated in front of me. A drink? I asked, gesturing to both bottles. Of course. One last tale before the bar closes, I imagine, he replied, looking both over before setting his eyes on a bottle in the shape of a human heart, black with ventricles and veins perfectly placed as it beat softly in place, 
letting the dark fluid rush around in its center and creating a slight stream as it bubbled from the top ventricle. He laughed as he grabbed it to inspect its contents. Oh, how quaint. The society of the sunless gives unto you the kingmaker. With consumption, he ascended to his endless throne. I assume the other is for you? He asked, staring at the other concoction. Starting as a bottle, but ending up in the shape of a fractured handheld mirror, fragmented in multiple places, but still perfectly held together, a yellow liquid running through it created a beautiful pattern as it pooled at the center, once again grabbing it to read aloud. Oh, don't mind me. I'll just go ahead. Cane Brewery offers you divine intervention. Just one taste, and the moment will change. Yep, we drink when the story is done. I replied dryly, pouring both contents into the shot glasses, sliding one to him and the other firmly in front of me. You used her to get to me. Why? I asked, glancing briefly at Letty. Amos laughed, his shoulders heaving under the weight of his cackle. Uh, because I got bored of waiting, Sullivan. You were taking too long on this cycle. He tapped his watch with a long fingernail. I had to take matters into my own hands. I hope it didn't cause you too much distress. The photos were... An incentive. Her fragile form was so easily manipulated once I spoke to her, the photos became a superb connector to you. It took a moment, but it felt as if the air around me grew stale and heavy. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw another seat being filled steadily by a static image. Armani's suit, slicked back hair, and a bottle of Janice in his hand. Gomez. I couldn't stop staring at his blackened eyes and vacuous pit of a mouth twisted into a distressing smile as he raised the bottle, Letty now following suit behind him with a pulse thumper in her hand. You know why I love carnivorous plants, Sullivan? Because they are so good at luring their prey in with the sweetest of scents, and then... The figure screech and begin to dissipate, exactly the way Gomez did when he took the adjudicator. You close the trap and watch them crunch, sizzle, and become mulch. His voice dripped with hunger and an animalistic sense of cruelty. <clears throat> every cycle we do this and every cycle you take longer and longer and longer, well... Not this time. I just needed to pluck on the right string to get you invested. From my grotto, I could sense your beloved trying to reach out to you. Each time a different form, so fragile and fleeting. Enough time to make just one trip to your humble abode and deliver you the message. Hmm but always too late to do so. But this time, <laughs> this time, I found her right at the beginning, as if the universe smiled upon me and said, Amos, you, the devourer, the void walker, you are the true ruler of this realm. 
He laughed, feigning the image of a flytrap with his hands, the fingers interlocking and sharpening into teeth as he reenacted their feeding process. She was the honey, and Gomez, that little fly. You took so long getting to know him, and he thought he was going to be something remarkable. <laughs> well, he sprung the trap. The moment you took him, you gave me the other half of the connection I needed. He put a hand over one side of his mouth and whispers to me, Did you like the trip down memory lane? I thought you'd appreciate it. I felt sick. I knew what was coming, and the reality of it setting in was causing every cell in my body to scream for flight. But my legs were steadfast, and the sounds of my friends fighting away kept me resolute. Oh, oh, you know they'll die, don't you, Sully? But I bet, I bet you told them you would take the hit. <laughs> he slapped the desk, joy erupting from his face. You cruel, cruel man. You see, I may give my disciples hope and take them from their disgusting domiciles, but you, you take it to the next level. You foster a familial connection just to get what you want. It's enough to make a man cry. But I'm not a man, Sullivan. I'm something more. So what happens now, Amos? My hands were shaky. I held on to the edge of the bar to keep them steady, but he undoubtedly saw my resolve failing. His eyes narrowed and he leaned forward. What happens now is we both drink. You savor your last drop and watch as the little life weaver over there succumbs to my superior abilities. This bar and this realm becomes my dominion for me to feast on every vibrant life that walks through those doors while you and your friends are the first meal of the day. So saith Amos. Freya still stood against the wall, shifted uncomfortably and stared at me for a moment before nodding. And even if you somehow escape, we'll just do this again. And again, and again, and again. And maybe next time... Maybe next time I can find an even more direct route to get your attention. Perhaps I'll simply string up the corpse of your lover and use her guts to display a sign saying, Let me in, Sullivan. He cocks his head to the side. Hmm. Too much? Something tells me this will be the last time we'll be doing this, Amos. What you have there is the Kingmaker. It will give you the control you want and there will be no end in sight. I could have hidden this, but hell, you'd have just found it anyway. Not like I can just dispose of this, is it? I held up my own drink. This, on the other hand, grants me the ability to have any one moment changed. All I want is a fucking happy ending. I don't see that interfering with your plans in any shape or form, so I'd say we're at a pleasant impasse, wouldn't you? Amos struggled to contain his excitement. His face flickered with elation as the shadow looming behind him shuddered, mandibles clicking incessantly. Of all these loops we've done, huh, you have never once offered me a white flag. I want to know why, but... He sniffed the drink before holding it up. Mm, better not to look a gift horse in the mouth, as they say. Cheers, and to your good health. Cheers, I reply. 
both of us downing it in one go, flipping the shot glass over and putting them down as a burst of red flames erupt from the area containing Disquiet and Kraus, the latter hurtling into the shelves and crashing into a heap on the floor, bloodied but not broken as a severely damaged Disquiet stumbles into view, dragging a stumped leg and breathing heavily. You filthy animal. How dare you damage that which is holy. You are not worthy. She bellowed, her body scorched and sizzled with every utterance from her mouth. Rage threw her body into a cloak of flames, blue and blazing. You know what? You're totally right. But I'll tell you something. Kraus held his arms up, a broken bottle floating in front of him. I've been told that all my life. And it ain't stopped me yet. And it ain't stopped her either. Before Disquiet could turn, the dull thump of a blade rang out. The end of Nell's serrated knife driven deep into Disquiet's skull as she stood there, twitching before Nell retracted the knife and Disquiet's body slid to the floor. A panting, blood-covered Nell collapsing to the floor in a heap, the energy fading from her. Kraus took one look at Disquiet's body before smirking, pouring out a drink over Disquiet's body and declaring, Bars closed, bitch. From the other room, Temperance and Reverence, bloodied and bruised, rush in to confront Nell and Kraus, but it's clear Amos had no interest in seeing further action. Your services are no longer required. Go back and pray for my return. Amos is eternal. Remember what I taught you. Take your sister with you. He commanded, not shifting his stance or maneuvering to look at them as he did so. Instead, the shadow form draped across the ceiling grabbed at the disciples before throwing them through the hole they came through, Temperance trying to resist, pushing back against the force of the shadow. You will leave, or you will be devoured. He retorted, the mandible snapping once again with more urgency as Temperance relented and slunk back through the rift. Well, Sullivan, it seems you were telling the truth. I am grateful for your honesty, and I promise to make this quick. Amos straightened his tie and adjusted his cufflinks, as if finishing a business deal, holding out his hand. It has been a pleasure, and I am glad that we could finally settle things. Give me a moment, I mutter, looking down towards Cheddar. He nods and retracts his hand, putting them together patiently as the dull click of his shadow mandibles rang out. I feel the shaking rushing through my body, and I can sense how close I am to the end. I get up off the chair, eyes burning as I reach the jukebox and hit play on the last song, before I kneel down towards Cheddar, staring right at his beautiful and goofy face, a face I'd grown so accustomed to over the eternity I'd spent here, and one I was going to miss more than anything. Hey, buddy. I'm so sorry that I have to let you down like this, but... I put my hands behind his ears and rubbed his head before bringing our foreheads together. I did it to keep you, Nell, and Kraus safe, so you've got to look after them both for me now, okay? Cheddar whined and licked my face gently. He knew what he had to do, and I was forever grateful to a companion that understood me in ways nobody else ever could. I felt myself welling up as I said goodbye to him. Man, I'm gonna miss you, buddy. I really am. I sniffed wiping the stray tears so it wouldn't soak his fur. You're the goodest boy to ever walk this or any other realm. Never forget that. The goodest boy. I kissed his forehead and rose to my feet, 
my knees giving out as soon as I touched the bar stool. Hey, Amos. I could barely keep myself steady. Everything in my body was beginning to shut down. I gotta confess something. What I told you wasn't exactly true. His eyes narrowed. Mm-hmm. How so? Well, your drink does give you the control you want with no end in sight. But I never said it gave you control of the bar. His hands twitched before beginning to curl. You will never get this place. You're gonna have the control you want, though. Right back through that fucking hole you came through. You will be king of the void. I laughed. My stomach began to burn, my kidneys following suit. I had to make this quick. My drink is definitely giving me a happy ending. One that involves closing this loop for good. You can thank Frey over there for that one. You will never reach this place or see me again, Amos. Your entire plan was a fucking waste. My laughter turned to pain chuckles. But thanks for helping me remember why I did this all those years ago. Because now I get another. My vision blurred as I felt the last of my strength leave me as my head fell forward. For a moment, I saw nothing but darkness before I caught myself staring at my own body, my current self seeming to pass through the bar as I continued to watch the scene play out. Another what? Another what, Sullivan? What have you done to me? There was a surge of anger from Amos, his eyes bulging with rage as he broke composure. You cannot excise me from this place, Sullivan! Mark my words, I am Amos, I am the Voidwalker, and I am eternal. I will return, do you hear me? But the moment he attempted to put his hands on me, he was frozen in place. Freya walked up behind him and patted him on the shoulder. Your kingdom is waiting, your highness. We'd best not delay. Before another click rang out and Amos hurtled towards the rift, screaming as he fell into the void, the hole rapidly closing behind him. Krauss stumbled to his feet before rushing to the top shelf, now watching him in silence for a moment. What are you doing, Krauss? She asked, the pain of battle and a loss overcoming her. Finding the fucking civil tear potion. You know, the one from before? He called back, throwing the bottles aside as he swept each shelf for it. If we can get him some of it, then we can... Oh, uh, that won't work, I'm afraid. Freya called back, Krauss stopping in his tracks. To close the loop, all eventualities were covered. Sully used the last of the potion a few days ago. There is no other way back. Uh, I'm sorry. Nell helped herself to her feet and walked over to the spot Amos sat at, tears welling up anew when she saw me sat there. She gently placed a hand on my face, drove her knife into the table, and let out a pained cry before walking to the back. I'm so, so proud of you, Sullivan. She choked, sitting on the floor, grief overtaking her. Krauss looked at her exasperatedly. You're just giving up, Nelly? Just like that? Well, fuck that! I know Sully would have a plan! He always has a plan! He would have some secret brew or concoction he just developed to make things right again! I just know it! He walked around to where I sat and started talking to me. Come on, Sully! Show her I'm right! You can- He stopped mid-sentence, and suddenly the wild passion that enveloped so much of Krauss's conversations was replaced by a very small- Oh. Oh no. Softly being repeated oh. as he stared into my face. Chatter's oh, no. head resting softly on my lap as he began to howl. Eyes closed, smiling, and pale skin. I had left this realm. Things back there, from what I am told, eventually returned to normal. 
Patrons would still come through the door and need help with a dire situation, a moment in their lives that needed guidance from a wise and colorful individual who would offer them an ear and a minimal amount of judging. Thankfully, I didn't have to worry too much about that. Krauss was a perfect fit. Nell stayed behind for a while to help settle him in, offering him a similar deal to what she gave me so long ago. It took time and a lot of healing, but Krauss fell into the role perfectly and became a well-known, well-respected, and beloved bartender. People began to learn more about the bar he affectionately renamed Sullivan's Haven. Cheddar, still a dutiful staff member who fulfills his role with joy and love, but still insists on sleeping near the seat that Krauss says he will never fill, the spot where I departed. Freya tells me Cheddar has never moved from that spot. I ask her if he still has the blanket, and she says he does, not a single hole in it despite all the chewing. Nell would go off to explore more as time went on. Freya said she one day said goodbye to Krauss and Cheddar, telling them she wanted to go get her own happy ending, and winked before setting off. Wherever she is, I hope she's happy. I like to think that we will all reach our happy ending at some point. What about mine? You ask? Well, chance. I can't tell you if there's a transition with pearly gates or some shit, or if one moment I was there and the next I was somewhere else. All I know is I turned around and found myself in a lobby of sorts. It was vast, and there was a series of couches to my right, a concierge desk in front of me, and two huge elevator doors on either side of the long hallway in front of me. The hell is this place? I muttered to myself. A window, I guess. Though, technically it's a hotel. Freya was stood next to me, her face sullen. This is a window into what happens next. I don't know if the loop was fully closed, but all the relevant life strands tug at this place, so you ended up here by default. So, it's over? I asked, still apparently able to feel nervousness wherever the hell I am. For you, yeah. Now it's my turn to hold up the end of the bargain. The door to the large lift slowly opened, and for the first time in what feels like an eternity, I see Nea. Everything around me dissipates as our eyes meet, and neither of us can bear to move lest we break the dreamlike state we're in. Sully, I... She began. I know. Me too. I smiled back, unsure of where to even begin. I tried so hard to reach you. Time and time again, I tried. But each time, I grew weaker. She trailed off. Shame plastered across her face. I left you alone for so long, and you had no idea. What happened? I asked, Freya rubbing the back of her head. When she died, her spirit endured. Much in part due to the link Amos has with you. And I don't know about how that works, but... She was stuck in between until you two resolved your business. She sent out signs and I may have helped her along in places. Freya took a step back, hands in the air. Nothing bad, no traps or anything sinister, I promise. It was Cheddar. I looked back over and Nea's face dripped away any concern I had. I knew you would be lonely without me, so I channeled my energy into something I knew you'd love. 
a loyal companion that wouldn't grow old and could protect you if you were fragile. But you needed a place to stay too, so I helped create the bar. I even put in some of the drinks to help steer you in the right direction. But not all of them were good. Sorry. She half laughed and half nervously smiled, undoubtedly as unsure of this as I am. All roads led to Naya. Freya stated plainly, unable to contain her smile. You two were linked with an even greater strength than you and Amos, and that dude tore realities apart to get to you. But Naya made them. She pushed my shoulders forward. Now it's time. Cook at your reward, Sully. I began walking as Naya did. The walking quickly turned into running before we met in the middle of an embrace. The entire world felt like it had lit up with colors I had never seen the second our skin touched. We walked to the elevator she'd come from, and she pushed the button labeled Hotel, Bar Floor. As the door closed, she interlocked our fingers and smiled through tears, saying, See, Sully? No spaces in between us anymore. Welcome to Sullivan's Haven. I'm Kraus, and this is my buddy Cheddar. Put your ass on the stool. Tell me a story, and I'll get you a drink. You picked a hell of a time to come in here, bud. We just revamped the place. Shame you couldn't have seen it in its heyday, though. <sighs> hell of an establishment. Oh, this? Nah, it's not for me. It's for a buddy on a long trip away. Probably hunting some creeps. Who, Sullivan? Well, that's a long story. Tell you what. You share yours, and I'll share mine. Now, let's hear it. You said something about a hotel? enjoyed this series. If you're interested in hearing more, there are some spin-off stories in the same universe that the author has written. One of them Romnex recently narrated. It's based on a story from the compendium that Nell has. I'll link to it in the description, as well as a podcast that the author recently did with Neon Tempo, who is the author of the Left Right game. So if you're interested in hearing that, make sure to check out the description. I hope you enjoyed the series, and have a good night. My name is Sully. I run a bar ways out from anywhere, affectionately called The Spaces Between. Don't judge, I didn't name it. My companion is Cheddar, a Bernese mountain dog that understands the words attack 
kill, stun, and defend, but not the word breakfast. We try to create a welcoming but chill atmosphere for the patrons that stumble through here every now and then. And to be honest, we have to. Because to say my clientele is unusual would be a gross understatement. The kind of folks we get here are looking for an escape. A place where they can talk their troubles away for a nominal fee and won't be judged. But I guess that doesn't separate it from many other bars out there, does it? Well, not only am I a superb listener, but we have a wide selection of unusual beverages. I like to think of them as mood enhancers, or depending on the patron's desire, dampeners. I've gotten together with some unrecognized genius brewery masters, working out deals to sell their phenomenal mixtures at a unique place. It brings the customers in by the droves to seek their poison of choice that they cannot find elsewhere, and the brewery gets exposure. Everyone wins. I guess for me, I knew sharing some of the stories I've picked up along the way would be of interest to you. And who knows, maybe you'll stop by yourself one day. But you don't pay in cash here. You pay with stories. If you've ever worked in a bar before, you know the happy-go-lucky environment you see on a show like Cheers or on a weekend filled with excitable youths is nothing like the dreary reality of a bar. Midweek Tuesday will forever serve as my motivator to abstain from booze, and it's one of these Midweek Tuesdays that I want to begin our stories. First patron is a bona fide regular, Catherine Letty. She spends every waking moment with her lips around a bottle of Peruvian beer called Mama Killa's Pulse Thumper, the contents designed to bring your mood and excitement up to such a level that you felt the world around you was virtually throbbing. For someone like Letty, though, it simply evened her out. I liked Letty. She was a woman who could not stop talking about her life, but always seemed to have something interesting tucked up her sleeve or a way about her that turned a mundane story into one of intrigue. She once spent 15 minutes telling me about the watering of her plants and the way her system worked before taking a left turn into how her giant pitcher plant was fed some of her experimental alcohol and it ate her cat. I got home one day and he, Methuselah, was just gone. She said between swigs, her youthful face riddled with stress lines bags under her eyes and a mess of unkempt brown hair. The majority tied back with a clip, but the fringe leaving streaks down her face to complement the streaks of booze running down her chin when she downed too much in one go. With a name like that, maybe it was a godsend. I thought, wiping down the counter while looking at her and offering a vocal affirmation of my condolences. She downed the rest of the booze and slammed the bottle down. Swang as she looked up at me. Do you know why I came here, Sully? She asks, her eyes half open and a jovial grin forming across her face as the effects kicked in. Mm, same as everyone else who frequents a bar like mine, I suppose. You want to go somewhere away from prying eyes and drink without being judged. I shrugged, letting the rag fall across my shoulder as I wrung my hands. Maybe the booze, too. I can't say we're not unique in that regard. Nah, I came here because I had nowhere else to go where I could wallow. She declares, announcing the words nowhere and wallow for dramatic effect as she spun in a circle. She pushes some coins in my way, and I grab another pulse thumper for her. 
But she shakes her head before I can pop the cap. No, I want something else, Sully. I want the pincer. She says, pointing a shaking digit to the shelf behind me where my top stock sat. An assortment of bottles of different shapes and sizes, adorned with labels and logos of equally unique measure. I follow the trajectory of her finger as it landed on a brown bottle with a square center, the liquid settling neatly as it extended out on either side, followed up into jagged glass spikes that formed two huge pincers. If you looked at it through the beer goggles that I am 99% certain Letty had on, the glass would pass for a stag beetle. I didn't reach for it, instead pressing both my hands onto the table and pushing her money back to her. You don't pay for the top shelf goods with money, Letty. You tell me a story, and if it's good, I'll pour you that drink. She sighed, a hiccup escaping her lips. My money's not good enough for you? I smile and shake my head. Nope, but your stories are. So tell me what happened that day when you came home from work. It was raining, right? You'd forgotten your raincoat. How did you... Yeah, it was freezing out, and I'd had to go get some supplies... They said Hurricane Xander was coming in, and I wanted to be ready. Her eyes sobered over, and her hands shook. She tried to steady them as she cast her eyes to the floor. I thought he'd be okay for just a few minutes. It was just around the corner. I stared at her for a few moments and twirled my mustache. Cheddar was asleep next to me, his drool beginning to coat the floor as he had a habit of falling asleep with his favorite stuffed animal in his mouth. I looked at Letty's posture. The tremble in her lips as she fooled with her sleeves and the hesitation in her words. I began to wonder. I sighed and reached for the bottle on the top shelf. It was a delicate orange at the bottom, and the shape was akin to an egg with deep cracks down the middle, allowing for a far brighter shade of yellow to break through. Top was cracked open, with the head of a baby chick popping out, blind and screaming. The open mouth serving as the distributor of the drink. A label across the middle of the egg read, Abacus and Sons Whirlwind Milkum Concoction. One shot and you'll feel the day start anew. I pulled it down and grabbed a shot glass from under the bar. It was clear, and the initials SR were written across it in beautiful black calligraphy. I poured it as she stared aimlessly, and I pushed it toward her. This isn't pincer, she began, staring at the bubbling orange liquid in front of her. I came here for the pincer because I heard it- What it does isn't important anymore, Letty. As your expert bartender, I have decided that this is the better drink for you. Trust me. I pushed a contact number on my phone and nodded to her as she hesitantly downed the shot, an audible hiss emanating from her chest as she breathed out yellow smoke. Your taxi will be here in a minute. Time to go home. I said, detaching myself and beginning to prep the bar for the next patron. I... I don't... What does this do? She asked, the realization beginning to take her as she put her head in her hands. I feel faint. Why? Why did I do this? Go home, Letty. I say, almost coldly. If you have any trouble, you can come back, okay? She struggles to get to her feet and rubs her arms as she heads to the door. A small... Thanks, I guess. As she leaves. I assure you, I was doing her a kindness... Letty was going to make a very, very big mistake, and I didn't want to see further harm come to her. A few minutes later, I heard the door swing open as a skinny hipster sauntered in, no older than 25. 
his thick black locks greased back in an undercut. His Armani suit that usually impressed so many people did nothing to flatter me here. He stared around at the bar, scoffing a couple times as he looked at the signs and plaques on the walls before rolling his eyes at the whole place and taking a seat in front of me. This was the ever-intolerable Gomez de Stefano, and I didn't want him anywhere near Letty. This dude has problems with socializing the way incels have problems with dating. Jana's special. Yesterday. He says, looking down disapprovingly of Cheddar and back at me. And make sure your fucking dog stays away from my drink. He comes near my suit, and I swear I'll kick him. Cheddar looks up at him with sleepy eyes, puffs out a sound of protest before sinking his face in his paws to sleep, and I laugh as I find the bottle. You'd be on the floor in five seconds, begging for him not to chomp off your salami slice, Gomez. I call from under the bar, finally finding the cooler. Inside were a set of aged vials split evenly down the middle. The left a deep blue, and the right an intense magenta. The label reading, Estefania Brewery Co. presents the ultimate emotional experience in Janus. All emotions, in two sides, one bottle. I pull it up and motion to Gomez which side he'd like. He picks the blue, and I oblige, pouring it into a tall glass with some ice. What brings you to my ever-so-fine establishment, Gomez? I ask, putting the cooler on the counter and knowing full well that I'll need more of them soon. Gomez drank profusely once he began. I just... I needed somewhere I could go to talk. You know, and this place is the only one I was told wouldn't judge me. His eyes were welling up with tears and he looked morose. I dare say pathetic in the right light. But since this is what he wanted by taking that concoction, I didn't hold much sympathy for him. All right, what do you want to talk about? Is it what you told me about last time? I asked, watching for any spillage of tears I'd need to dutifully mop up from my beautiful mahogany counter. The stealing thing? Nah, nah, I don't feel too bad about that part. It's what I saw while I was stealing that fucked with me. I don't know if I'll ever sleep well again now. God... I should have done something. He buries his head in his forearms and sobs, Cheddar snorting before getting up, stretching and walking off to the back. Even he wasn't buying this shit. I lean forward, my arms folded, and press him for more. What did you see that night, Gomez? He composes himself and looks up, snot running down his face that he quickly wipes up. The apartment I scouted was simple. Wasn't it a busy area? The broad who lived there wasn't a threat, and neighbors minded their own business. I could go about my job without incident, and my client would get paid nicely. I was told to get a specific item and to do it at a specific time. Only I saw an opportunity and decided to get in an earlier on account of the weather. The weather? What was so important about that? I narrowed my eyes as his began to widen, clearly impressed with himself. Hurricane season. There was a fresh one on the horizon, and it was even quieter than usual. So I stepped into the apartment without any problems after I knew the broad had left, and I began to do my thing, searching for a lockbox, doing as I was told. But as I went into a bedroom, I, I heard something coming from a living room. An awful sound, like a bear rummaging through trash, but wetter. I heard the sounds of wailing and crunching as I saw a shadow cast over the wall. 
hunched over and the jaws tearing at whatever was there. Pincer-like arms holding it in place as mandibles ripped and tore. He retched and took a moment to steady himself. I listened intently, the uncomfortable sensation of familiarity running through me. I can't get the fucking image out of my head even now. I got what I needed and bugged out. Handed my shit to the client and never said a word. I came here to forget. To get it out of my fucking head. He shook his head and reached for the other half of the bottle with the magenta mixture, downing it so quickly that splotches fell and stained his suit. You got this upset over someone's kitten being eaten? I don't buy it. I asked, reaching for a bottle on the top shelf, a golden heart with vines growing around it and a rusted key in the center producing a beautiful oaken hue, the label reading, Winchester's very own hemlock-infused adjudicator. Your first step in the right direction was choosing this drink. His bravado returned, save for a slight shaking in his knee, and he laughed at me as I asked, What can I say? I'm a softie. Hearing a kitten screaming was upsetting. Besides, why wouldn't someone be freaked the fuck out from seeing a shadow eating it, huh? I thought you types were meant to be insightful. I grabbed a shot glass, and after turning the key on the heart, a satisfying click rang out, and I poured the shimmering contents for him. It's on the house, Gomez. I replied dryly as he looks uncertain. He pushes it back to me, apprehension now clear in his voice, not even bothering to ask for the remaining stack of Janice I'd gotten for him. I gotta get moving soon, Chief. Can't be having too many. Oh, you won't need to worry. The taxis aren't available yet. Sit and drink. I'll give you a little insider info. I smiled, leaning my knuckles onto the counter as I look at the pathetic creature in front of me. He sits gingerly, and after a few moments, he takes the adjudicator drink and downs it heartily. No sooner had he done so, his entire being froze. Limbs would no longer obey him. His eyes fixed forward and onto me, the body betraying his soul entirely. I am no longer smiling as I speak aloud while clearing the bar away of mess. You are a superb thief, Gomez. It's how you can afford the suits, the nice cars, the temporary friends around you who feign interest in sex to get loans. But you are a very, very bad liar. I look deep into his face as I finish my sentence, the disgust in my expression apparent as he looks back in fear. You want to know how I know you didn't see a kitten in that apartment? How I know you saw more than you're letting on, and even why you really didn't report it? He blinks once at me, a confirmation. Well, first, we need to discuss what you just drank. It's a drink that will determine what happens to you next. Essentially, one of my own special blends, designed to weed out cancerous cells like you. If you got nothing to hide, You'll feel elation beyond your wildest dreams, and you'll get into that taxi without issue. But if you feel even a shred of guilt in you after I'm done talking, well... I walk around the bar and put my hands on his shoulders, leaning in as I speak to him. Let's come back to that later, shall we? I know you didn't see a kitten because I just served your victim a few minutes ago. And funnily enough, she said it was a kitten too, with some degree of confusion. She came here to suffer, you know. Not entirely willingly, but that was her intention. I don't know what you gave her, but it took a very special blend to help her memory recover. I don't even know if that's the right call, but it's what has to happen. 
She will wake up, and everything she went through will be there to greet her like a fucking parasite. I leaned towards him, my voice becoming low. But I did her a favor, Gomez. I gave her a chance to take a different path than the one you and your clients sought out for her. Gomez began to shake, his entire body bouncing up and down as his pupils dilated and his head shook. I don't doubt you have no idea who or what your client is, what is in Letty's lockbox, or that you're very, very sorry. But people like you never learn. You'll save your own skin the moment this happens again, and unfortunately for you, I know it will happen again. The thing I can't forgive, though? Myself, if I let you go. Because you saw something in that room, and you still ignored any impulse to do right. You saw something that would turn anyone else's stomach, push their fight-or-flight instincts, and still chose yourself. I turn my back to him and pour myself a magenta shot of Janice, downing it as I hear the sizzling of Gomez's body begin to crescendo. You deserve what you get. The form that housed Gomez began to melt away, the skin and bones beginning to burn as his limbs sagged and eventually fell from the torso, continuing to burn and melt on the floor. Gomez tries to scream through the foam that coats his throat, but a soft gurgling is all that's audible as his head sinks into his torso, and that too melts into a viscous sludge that hardens as soon as it settles. Cheddar walks back in as his head nudges my hand as I pet him, my face stuck in a permanent scowl as I look at the ultrasound photo Letty had left behind. You saw a crib, Gomez. You saw a crib. You ever meet those kinds of people that, from the outside, you just know they're unhinged? Maybe you take two minutes into the conversation before they suddenly mention they regularly infuse their boogers, nail clippings, or whatever other bodily shavings into a broth that they think gives them the ability to see into the future or something. Well, a couple of days after the incident with Gomez, I was still trying to figure out where to go from there. A patron I didn't recognize walked in. Maybe that's just because word was getting around about the kind of place this was, or they just stumbled in here by accident. Either way, it was a tad strange, as were the moments leading up to it. Cheddar was restless, pacing around the bar constantly. He was never a big fan of thunderstorms or heavy rain, preferring the comfort of his blankets or his best friend's lap. Unfortunately for him, I was expecting a delivery, and our regulars would need a top-up soon. I should clarify, while our top-shelf merch is our main attractor and isn't paid for with money, we do, of course, have lower-shelf brews that are chargeable. How else do you think we stay afloat? The delivery came, and I thanked the courier, a stack of various concoctions now waiting to be placed in their new homes. A regular had come in as the delivery was finishing and sat petting cheddar taking grateful sips of Pulse Thumper as they saw the courier out. The regular's name was Harry Krause, the short fellow who embodied the sad boy aesthetic. 
black Japanese urban sweater, a pair of circular glasses, open top cap, and a custom face mask painted with rows of sharpened teeth. Behind it were lips emblazoned in black lipstick and a face adorned with piercings. He was the living embodiment of hedonism, claimed to have once been an insurance fraud investigator and occasionally bent the rules to get bigger payouts. By bent the rules, of course I mean he started fires that couldn't be put out, including one literal fire, if you believe the stories, though he was careful to ensure nobody was ever present. There was still something to his story, and until he told me everything, something destined me to keep on seeing him and dish out cheap advice. So, you just straight up torched this motherfucker where I'm sitting? He asked, eyes awash with admiration of my feet as Cheddar lapped up the attention. Yeah, melted him into the floor before my partner did his thing. He deserved it. I replied, cleaning away the four empty bottles Krauss had already had. Wow, you are a beast, Sully. But why would you get involved in this? It ain't like you to meddle. This place is meant to be free of judgment, right? I paused. He was right, and I was definitely not going to make any friends by doing this. But I looked at the ultrasound photo in the coat rack area before replying. We have a section of lost and found, as any bar does. But ours has been steadily accumulating more of the lost, and it's becoming a concern. These people are going fucking missing, Kraus. I sighed. My shoulder felt heavy just thinking about all the people I'd gotten to know that were lost to the ether. For every thank you letter we receive, a missing poster follows. I saw Letty, the way she was, and... Well, I guess fate intervened when the photo fell out and Gomez walked in. Kraus chuckled finishing the bottle, putting his face mask back on, and grabbing his hoodie. Well, you're a stubborn bastard, so you're not for the long haul either way. But I'll be right there with you. Look, I gotta shoot. Drop off that thing that needs doing. But I want some of that Emporium whiskey next time, Minna, right? Maybe then I'll tell you the rest of my story. He looked over at the grand bronze flask sticking out of the crate, a royal seal adorning it, and a label beneath reading, McGill's Distilled Black Sea Extract. A way to float or to sink, your choice and your volition. See your memories become clear. That's the McGill way. I smiled and nodded, waving him out as I put the bottles away and staving off the exhaustion I felt. The day wasn't done just yet. I put up our new sign. Mahogany and cheddar makes everything better, above the wall behind me pouring myself a glass of Emperor's Refuge, a thankfully optional alcoholic drink. It sat in a large oval container, a beautiful fluid preserved in amber with a small crown atop it that acts as a mixer. When the crown is rotated and the diamonds are fixed correctly, it releases the extra ingredients into the container, allowing it to glow brilliantly with the shimmer of a diamond in the light. I stared at the bottle as I swirled the mixture in my other hand, the label in a garnish font befitting that of royalty beaming back at me. Noble blood proudly present the Emperor's refuge, for when even the most diligent man must rest and clear his mind. <laughs> I don't know about that one, Chief, but I'll take a rest all the same. I smile. Cheddar walks up expectantly, his tongue hanging out as I down the drink with the hearty gulp. Yep, you're royalty too, bud. You're the Duke of Scraps and Barks. 
I pet him as he licks my hand. A brief moment of reprieve before the sound of thunder and the door being kicked open causes him to sit upright and bark, shattering the tranquility. Standing in the doorway, enshrouded by a thick blue robe, was a tall, thin individual I'd never seen before. He didn't so much move as glided towards the bar, not a drop of water leaving his person and staining the wooden floors. Cheddar moved behind me and whined. Something about this guy wasn't right. This is the place, yes? A raspy, well-spoken voice called from beneath the hood. It sounded as if the vocal cords had been shredded to bits and nothing but ribbons held on. Threatening to tear at any syllable too elongated, it made my skin crawl. But I'm a professional, and I held my nerve. You got it. Welcome to the spaces between. I'm Sully. This big lug behind me is Cheddar. What can I get you? I open my arms and gesture to look at our stock. The eyes do not move, but the face gets closer. As they do so... I can see that the eyes are manic and wild, unblinking in their stare. If I looked close enough, I dare say they were even shaking. I wish to be closer to my lord. How does one do this? It asked, the stench of its breath now close enough to singe my nose hairs and set fire to my mustache by proxy. I leaned back slowly and took in his question. It doesn't work like that here, fella. You want top-shelf stuff? You need to bring me a story. I'll hear it out and help pick the right drink for you on your first time. I sat back against the counter, determined not to go blind from the smell when they began speaking again. So, what have you got for me? The figure wordlessly sat down on the adjacent stool, their form hunching over like a coiled snake, and their eyes fixated on me as if the head beneath the hood dipped down. It was unnerving. I was a lost soul before I found godliness. I used to do as my body commanded without thinking of the consequences. If it urged me to burn something, I burnt it. If it willed me to hit someone, I hit them. If it compelled me to, well... (laughs) I may not have seen the smile beneath the hood, but I could hear it in their voice. I didn't like where this was going, but hearing them out was part of the job, so I held my tongue. For the longest time, I did as I wished. But one day, I grew too bold and my wings were clipped. I gazed upon the sun and saw the true face of salvation. The light shining through him and forcing the light within me up and out through my chest. The light inside is the path I needed to give myself purpose, but... He paused, the arms under his robes trembling as I sensed frustration building in him, the smell of stale water running through the whole bar and making me gag. But I have reached my limit, and the light in me is growing dim. I heard about your... establishment, and the unique properties it possesses. So, if I must divulge something to you, I will. But your concoction must do the job, my friend. I give him the once-over, and beyond the obvious fact that he was cloaked and smelled worse than a corpse in midday sun, there was something off about him. Maybe he knew something. I glanced at my top shelf and saw a bottle roughly the size of a skull sitting dutifully on the far end, waiting to be grabbed. 
It held a good weight to it, various tendrils forming hooks to hold onto, and the base of the tendrils wrapping around a face with a look of abject terror permanently across the only visible eye, the other having the socket bore into by a thick black tendril and exiting out of the mouth as a spout. Red liquid sloshes about as I set it down, the label reading, The Elixir of Nausea, the river of fate washing down your throat, never ceasing and singular in its direction. You take this, there's no going back, and I'm not even sure what'll happen to you. So your story better be going somewhere. I'm not the religious type. I frowned, pulling the chalice off the top shelf behind me and filling it to the brim, the liquid congealing and laying perfectly still once poured as if frozen over. I kept it in front of me as I felt the unceasing stare bearing down on me, but I was undeterred in my decision. Whenever you're ready, I've got all the time in the world, Mr... I paused and waited for a reply, but instead I was greeted by that sensation of a smile, like I was being sized up. Venerator will do just fine, he replied eventually, his arms still in his lap and his posture unchanged. I must confess, your hound makes me... Uneasy. The chance you could remove him until I am finished partaking in this drink? A fence washed over me, but I held it for the sake of the patron and the desire to see where this was going. I obliged and sent Cheddar to the back, knowing this was not my smartest moment. As I shut the door on him, a smash echoed from the bar. Upon rushing round, I saw the bottle was in a thousand pieces and the rest of the red liquid was fastening itself to the floor soon to be a permanent stain. My apologies. I was reaching for the chalice and I forgot how close it was. I would be happy to reimburse you. The eyes didn't leave my direction once. Did he stare at me the entire time I was putting Cheddar away? No matter. Your story will be payment enough, especially while I pick up these pieces. Go ahead, Mr. Venerator. I sighed, leaning down to begin the arduous and mundane task of cleanup. 99% of a bartender's job, the other 1% split evenly between interesting stories and freaks like this guy. Remind me why I do this again? I really liked my first test. She was a delicate little thing whose mother had abandoned her at birth. The rest of the litter had cut her out and she would never survive. Master told me the light in her would be best suited added to my own. But it had to be cleansed from her. So, like any dutiful pilgrim, I took the flames of purity to her and stripped the light from her flesh once the fur had melted away. He paused. I could hear the shiver from under the bar as he gasped. The screams were like a private performance for me. I still get tingles now. I started picking up the bigger pieces. In the reflection, I saw that Venerator had set back down the chalice, and that his eyes were no longer set on me. Unease washed over me, but I continued to clean. What happened after that? Surely your master didn't just grant you a seat on the council. I quipped, hoping my humor would ease the tension, but it didn't. He told me I couldn't be present for the graduation ceremony, that I had a more important job to undertake. My second assignment was dull compared to the final one. I was to gain his favor by ensuring his actions were seen to the end. No matter what it... <coughs> what 
It. <coughs> he began coughing and hacking, pushing himself away from the table as the drink began to take effect. The elixir of nausea wasn't just a way to get closer to your chosen idol metaphorically. It shifted you to be what they wanted, regardless of the circumstances. I had no idea what it would do to him once it took hold, but it was my chance to learn, and I wasn't willing to let it go. As he curled over on the floor, I got to my feet and leaned over the counter to talk to him. I could see the exposed skin on his arms began to grow gray and the nails lengthening to form sharper claws. Your master, he did something, didn't he? Something you wanted to be a part of. The venerator didn't reply. He didn't even move, save for some light breathing. I'm still figuring out what he did and how someone like you found this place. You don't think I realized what you are? You're playing a dangerous game coming here in your condition, you know that? This isn't the first out-of-the-way bar you've been to, is it? While I didn't go out much, I wasn't the only unusual bar around, and my colleagues had been murmuring about weird visits, strange hooded people asking for very specific top-shelf concoctions that they should have had no idea about, with stories that seemed too far strange to be real. I'd even known a few places to go dark not long after mentioning this, so I'd been mindful of newcomers since then. What did your master want with Letty? She's just an ordinary woman. She led a good life. Help me understand. I leaned down to pick him up, and I could see his body shaking, a weak laughter emanating from behind the cloak. A hand appeared before I could react and lifted me up to my feet with ungodly force, the frame now standing up and becoming taller as it did so, far taller than before. I kicked my legs, but I couldn't find any footing or area to reach. I was completely at his mercy, the voice no longer raspy as it spoke, but booming and guttural. She was a crucial part of the Ascendancy. Reverence and disquiet saw the potential in her and told our master she was the one. They were tasked with taking her memory while our master fed on her essence. Taking a light before it has a chance to glow brings extra brilliance to his hue. Helps him form into this world better. Venerator's eyes now filled with such joy and for the first time, I could see something beneath it. A swirling mass of tendrils running across scarred and leathery skin with exposed pink flesh. The nose stripped to the bone and his eyes hanging in jagged sockets. But my job was special. Master took my light and dimmed it just enough that I'd send out the signals for your bar to appear. Master said this is how people locate you. When they need you the most. <laughs> I began sweating. My vision blurred and my chest felt hot as I gasped for air that wasn't coming. The feeling of malice seemingly pulsating through his arms and transferring to me. It was borderline palpable. His teeth were visibly shaking as he smiled. This was the face of an animal, not a person. I don't understand, but I am just a pilgrim, so I need only follow. You tried altering the course of fate, and that, dear friend, was your biggest error. Master doesn't wish to have any adjudicators. He has made his choice, and so should you. I felt the stabbing sensation of a tendril in my side, a hot, burning liquid beginning to break down my cells and pushing its way through my bloodstream. My hands felt numb and I stopped fighting, 
barely able to muster a whisper. You wanted my story? Well, here it is, Sullivan. <laughs> what message would you like me to tell the master? He called out with glee, pulling my body towards his face so he could hear my last gasps of air. Maybe it was by chance or by divine intervention, but Emperor's Refuge kicked in. I felt the surge of energy fill my body and remove the semblance of pain for the briefest of moments. I knew I had to act quickly before I succumbed to the darkness. Gripping his arms as hard as I could, I shouted at the top of my lungs. Shatter! Clean up! The sound of the back door swinging off its hinges broke through the air as Cheddar rose behind Venerator. The chunky mountain dog, a distant memory as he now stood on his hind legs, his upper half uncoiling like a snake, and his eyes rolled into the back of his head. He was breathing heavily, his slobber a thick, black, and steaming hot, his jaw opening far longer than any dog should be able to muster. The grip on my neck loosened as abject fear now replaced the malice intent. Venerator turned his attention to Cheddar and looked visibly terrified. The last thing I saw before the subsequent darkness after being dropped to the ground was the unhinged form of Cheddar doing what he does best, cleaning up. First went the head, then the limbs. The last thing was the tendril being graciously mopped up by Cheddar as I fell into unconsciousness, Emperor's refuge taking me gratefully into its arms. My memories flooded me while I was surfing in the darkness. Memories of a man I used to be, of someone who could barely hold a sentence together without the voices overtaking me and driving me into total madness, of a man who made one crucial mistake and found himself in a pub along the English countryside, greeted by an older woman who gave him a drink and listened for a while. How long has it been, I wonder? Dolly? Dolly, what happened to you? Pain riddled my body as I felt my consciousness being thrown toward the light at an alarming pace, the whiplash coming with a fresh level of pain that steadily rose the more aware I became. My stomach felt like it was rotting away and I could no longer feel my legs. Cheddar whined and the unfamiliar voice of a woman with dark skin and curly black hair became apparent as she kneeled over me, her eyes darting across my damaged body. What do I do, Sully? Tell me. Tell me and I'll do my best, okay? She said calmly, her bedside manner giving me even more cause for concern on my well-being. I tried to move, but the pain was so intense that I felt consciousness ripping away from me if I dared to venture too far. I cast my eyes to her into the bar above me. Top shelf. Middle. Far at the back. Silver bottle with a chain around it. Ice cold to the touch. I foolishly tried to move my arms on instinct and again, pain tugged at my mind, reminding me of my error. The woman sprang to her feet and rummaged on the top shelf, the urgency causing her to knock a couple of bottles aside, much to my dismay. Sure enough, she got her hands on the silver bottle and brought it down to me. It's something I had not seen in many, many years. It's more of a teardrop than a standard bottle. The chains around it silver even to this day. A small combination lock at the top by the cap. I whisper the number to her, and she pulls the cork off, a chill rushing through the room. She read the note on the side, a teardrop falling from the moon with the trail effect burning off it as the logo reads, Professor Ambrose Ashton Smith's Silver Tear Potion. Your cycle shall not end so long as you keep this close. One glass for injury, two for death. Springing to action, she poured out one glass, and the bottle fell empty at the very last drop. She didn't register this, however, 
and propped the glass under my lips as I gratefully drank, the horrific cold chill flowing through my body and beating back whatever damage the venerator had inflicted me with. After a few minutes, the sensation in my body returned, and I got to my feet, still a little woozy, but thankfully none the worse. Well, looks like you'll get a drink on me. I chuckled, my sides still a little sore, and the tear ruining my blazer. Thanks, by the way. To whom do I owe my gratitude? She stretched out her hand and I took it, a firm grip meeting me as she flashed a grin. Detective Georgia Halpin. Somebody put in a call that there was an incident here and, well, here I am. The woman took a seat at the bar and rested her head in her hands, smiling in bewilderment as Cheddar sat at the foot of the bar, panting and focused on me. You're really okay? What the hell was in that drink? Ah, just a favor from a long, long time ago. Won't be able to use that again. Was really hoping it'd come in handy during an epic battle of some kind, but I never go anywhere. So I guess it is what it is. I put the bottle away in a small box underneath the bar and began to properly take in Halpin. She was in her late twenties, athletic, and sporting a smart, casual attire that suggested she took her job seriously but enjoyed being sociable. A definitive uptake from Mr. Sewer Nightmare earlier on, her hair was tied in a bun with a long golden pen in the center. So, how does this place work? How much do I need to fork out for you to bend an ear? She asked coyly, a flash of pearly whites as I reciprocated. You just need to tell a story, but since I owe you... I trailed off, realizing what I was actually saying, but she caught on quickly. Since you owe me, you've got to tell the story. <laughs> Bet you didn't think that would happen when you woke up this morning, huh? She laughed, her eyes scanning the shelves behind me for something that took her fancy. Well, you show me something, and I'll show you something. Sound fair? Her eyes resting over a black and white bottle in the shape of a bed stood on its end with a person's face asleep on top, the cork in the center of their chest. I obliged and grabbed it from the shelf and set it down in front of her. The label reading, The Thought Collective Presents Emporium Brand Black Whiskey with a dash of pensive. Relive those golden memories in the black of night. Not a bad choice. This will either bring clarity to your mind or make everything feel like it's in murky waters. It can be quite a journey if you're not careful, you know? I said, uncorking the bottle and letting the smell of ginseng and walnuts waft through the air before fetching a large mead tankard and pouring the contents sideways. The black liquid left the container coming out clear as crystal, then hitting the tankard. Black particles bubbling beneath the surface until the end of the pour when a dark froth bubbled at the top. I slid it over to her and gave her a nod as she took a sip, her eyes closing in enjoyment as she let it fill her. She spun her hand around, signaling me to talk. All right, fine, here goes. I said and fetched Cheddar a slab of meat while talking, learning from before and opting to keep the detective in my sight the entire time. I sort of fell into this business. I wasn't always the suave, handsome, charming, and obviously humble bartender you see before you. I was once just a messed up kid trying to find his way. She finished her sip with a gulp and smiled, wiping her mouth and looking intently at me, nodding. Everyone goes through that phase in their lives where they have absolutely no clue what they're doing. Mine lasted from 10 to 30 and saw no sign of slowing down as I fell into my late youth. I just felt lost, like I belonged nowhere. 
So I made people pay attention to me whichever way I could. If that meant lashing out, well, so be it. Bad publicity was just fine by me. I shook my head. Being on the giving end of these was not my idea of fun. But a promise was a promise. But eventually, all our demons catch up to us, and I got in deep with the mistake I made and was given a choice. Do this job or rot. And here I am. The end. I held up my arms and let them fall to my sides before shrugging. Mm, your demon's catching up to you, eh? Yeah, I'm sure Gomez de Stefanos did as well. Halpin nonchalantly declared before taking another gulp of the drink and wiping her mouth, locking eyes with me. How much of what you just said was bullshit, Sully? I smirked. She was quick on her feet. Enough that you can't seem to figure it out. How'd you know my name? Why are you really here? She finished her drink, slamming it down on the table before taking a walk in the bar foyer. Looking at the photos of past events we'd put on and notes grateful patrons had left behind. Sullivan, our time was irreplaceable. The drink's exquisite and your wit sharp enough to cleave me in two. I will hold this time in my heart, for you pulled me out of the darkest pit and with one drink made it so I had wings. I hope to see you once more someday, my comrade. Maximilian Wentworth. Sully, you know what this means to me. Everything else has already been said. Thank you. Give Cheddar the biggest hug for me, okay? Catherine Letty. Well now, this one looks new. So many grateful patrons. You've amassed quite the following here, haven't you, Sully? I assume that's why Gomez found his way here a couple nights ago. She turned to look at me, eyes narrowed. But we've not seen him since. <laughs> nobody has. Even asked some of your regulars and Miss Letty here, but nobody had an answer for me. How oddly protective. Who sent you? Are you really concerned with someone like Gomez? I asked, feeling suddenly very on edge. She laughed bitterly at the notion. <laughs> Don't be silly. That vile prick was a foot soldier and a greedy one at that. No, I'm here because you clearly have no understanding of your boundaries, and if violence won't make the line in that sand clear, maybe fear will. She opened her palms out and clenched her fist. A pity, really. I like this drink. But temperance finds its work is never done. Without a second to respond, she began punching her stomach over and over until the drink she'd consumed moments ago poured out of her like a black cloud through gags and belches. It formed a haze that quickly turned into a cloud. In it, I could see figures moving around as the images became clear and an apartment room could be made out. It was a dark apartment room with a row of plants in the corner, sitting dutifully and waiting for water. A bunch of baby toys littered the floor. A stuffed animal ripped to pieces and cast aside. I didn't want to see this. A hunched-over figure viciously chewed on something as blood and viscera coated the floor. Its shoulder blade jutted out and the hood barely covered the large, bulbous head as it gnashed away, two hooded members standing on either side and watching with vested interest. The bar darkened and even the sounds of chatter barking were muted as the thing in the haze clicked its back, straightened up and turned huge black eyes falling upon me as mandibles clicked and blood-covered pedipalps shivered, laughing maniacally unseen amid the smoke and haze. I knew that whatever I was staring at was beyond any weird story, gruesome tale, or bizarre encounter I'd had to that point. 
It was something that, for the briefest of moments, created a fear in me that screamed to close the bar and move, but once you start something like this, you cannot stop. I knew that. There was something preying on my patrons, and I couldn't ignore it. Still, in that moment, amid those blackened clouds, I felt a sliver of fear that so many victims had fallen prey to. What I was so worried would continue to befall them if I stood idly by when they came to me for help. The black eyes shimmered and the voice resonated through me, ringing out long after the warning was delivered and I had been left in the dark bar. Cheddar sat with me on the floor as I stared at the empty bottle of Emperor's Refuge and lamented on the clarity it could give me, the words swelling and bursting in my skull. I'll see you.